Hello, everyone. Welcome to Riot Act, the alternative music podcast. I'm Stephen Hill. He's Renfrey Deadman. That's how we do the, the show. I say my name, you, and then I say yours, and you speak, but you haven't spoken yet. Well, you didn't really give me an opportunity. No, you're right. I didn't do but hello. That. Hello. How are you doing, mate? Oh, you're right. okay. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Mate, the other week, you remember we had the um, tea cakes when Matt from Harry Cat came in? Probably the best day of the year so yeah, far. Yeah, I didn't. I, well, I haven't opened it. I've got some Reese's Pieces peanut butter candy and a crunchy shell. Do you want some of them? Oh, yes, please. I've got loads of them. Crunchy shell's not going to be great for the old audio format but fuck it let's do fuck it, it anyway crack it open if you want I've, got, right. an, I've got an american renfrey yeah <laughs> gone all who, american I've, I've i i have my own american who tear it if that goes everywhere really? i re, right renfrey is put just pulling it apart like a kid who's never opened a bag before you don't see a kid open a bag I mean, clearly looking at me i've opened a bag since before, <laughs> let's be honest. when kids just pull at a bag and the crisps go over and then they cry and it's like well i'm 33 years old and i still haven't learned you do you're still doing it no, i've just, no, it's, just, it's actually it making me feel oh, a little right, bit um right. i've opened it angsty as much as we can. Uh, oh god you're, I'm putting oh, it on top of the never. recording device this is a fucking disaster <laughs> my god I think eating in an audio format is a fucking disaster and you well, introduced the, I you mean know, I'm, I'm very grateful hmm. but you know I, I'm, they're crunchy yeah. it says they're crunchy uh-huh. suck them um, you fucking what are you <laughs> Neanderthal what's you wrong with you okay so to, to make it clear they're kind of like smarties you, yeah, don't, yeah. you don't suck, suck a, smarty. a smarty who sucks never a smarty, smarty. Come on. No, I don't think so. Show a little bit of restraint, you pig. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Fair fair enough. (laughs) Got you there, didn't I? Absolutely got you banged to rights. Sucks a smarty. Right, you know what? We haven't had a poll for a long time, and I think we should reinvigorate the the poll. Do you suck a smarty or do you crunch a smarty? I'm not saying you have to choose one way or the other. I'm just saying occasionally. You fucking do. Well, uh, you can suck a smarty. So there you go. And uh, it's nice to have an album, uh, an episode title so quickly. (laughs) You can suck a smarty. (laughs) I want out my gravestone. Um, So anyway, listen, uh, shout out my good friends at Musicism who are our benefactors in this podcast go over there uh, musicism.net um, if you fancy yourself as a budding singer songwriter guitarist producer they do lots of different courses lots of online tutorials to help you achieve that goal of being a better musician and they're very nice people they're lovely to, yeah. ba- to boot as to well boot. So, I'm visiting them a couple of times this month I'm very excited about it mm, yeah good guys so um, their courses are $9.99 a month but you can get 25% off when you put in the code RIA in capitals at the checkout. So that's musicism.net. Music, I-S-U-M dot net is how you spell it in case you're, you know, uh, I was going to say an idiot then, but you <laughs> might just be dyslexic, which is absolutely fine. On this show, we're going to be reviewing the new albums from Architects, The Prodigy, and Laura Jane Grace and the Devouring Mothers. And later on, you'll be able well, to hear... such a great name. Can we just, I mean, we'll talk about it in the review, but what a fucking great good name. Good name. Yeah, yeah very good name. Um, and we'll be, uh, you'll be hearing a conversation that I had between myself along with... Two guitar players extraordinaire of different generations as well of heavy guitar music. Talking to me outside of you made it about you again. (laughs) Chew them fucking Reese's pieces, boy. I I Um, thought I was meant to suck them. (laughs) Do it. Just shut up and let me do the intro. So yeah, me, me, Jeff Irwin from (gasps) Wilhaven. And Andy Gillen from Palm Reader. So two of two different generations, incredibly underrated heavy bands. Oh fuck me, that sounds great talking to each other about the differences of being um, exactly that, a very, very underrated heavy band uh, from two very different generations. Stuff. So that's coming up later. I won't say much more about it, but what I will say is um, 
it's good and the show <laughs> was fucking great which we will definitely talk about in a moment um, go to patreon.com forward slash riot act podcast if you want to help us out in the financial sense of the word money would be lovely we would much appreciate that and um, we will definitely I keep saying every week I go we'll have some progress I'm starting to sound like the sort of person that I don't like <laughs> I have made behind the scenes progress if that's any consolation okay good so, so yeah. you know at the moment it's just like do you like me can I have a pound right do you know what I mean I will say very briefly because we do keep saying this every single week um basically at the moment it's shit tons of albums are coming out but in december that all stops so it mm-hmm. will happen in december yeah it's happening it's happening it's happening in all I, the countries I, I don't like i don't like saying when things are going to happen on the podcast and i've just broken my own rule because yeah. that's how determined i am to make it happen i so. know yeah but that's but my will. excuse and it will happen it will happen anyway you went into one gig this week but it was a big one it was a fucking huge one yeah i've been to two and they weren't so big, but what they made, what they didn't have in size, they made up for in quality. I went to see um, Anti Flag and Cancer Bats Ooh. at Heaven, mm-hmm. and um, I've seen Cancer Bats one, two, three, four. This was the fifth time I've seen them this year. Uh, uh, yeah, I was going to say surely more than five times in total. <laughs> yeah, and um, they are, and I would, I loathe to miss a Cancer Bats show yeah. in London. Yeah, I feel yeah. like that is not something that one should do i'm actually a bit bummed that i did yeah i know it's a bummer so um cancer bats are fucking have been awesome live for so long and you know you pretty much know what you're gonna get at this point don't think i've seen them play a bad show no oh god no no not a bad show i've seen varying different degrees of great yeah 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 yeah, is what you get with cancer bats even when they did bat sabbath which i was a bit like that was great kind of a yeah i mean i was it was fun and everything but Mm. it ended up being like legitimately brilliant Mm. um spark the fades is an album that came out and sort of everyone went wow new cancer bats and because lots of other things were sort of surprise dropped and it was that time Mm. of the year when lots of things were coming out i feel like people haven't really gone back to it that much it came out that wasn't it the same day so as sleep, sleep? Yep. yeah which which and didn't the, help but it's a great record great record it's yeah. really underrated very yeah. undervalued underappreciated record and it seems to have um been quite well received live certainly yeah. uh what there's i know a lot of hooks on it oh so, loads of hooks yeah. and it's, it's they're so great live they've always been fucking great live um but what you what you realize is when you are watching cancer bats as a support band or as a co-headliner as a co-headliner so they got an hour they got an hour set. Um, there is not one. There's not one song in that hour set that you were like, well, "I didn't really need that." Mm. Like literally, when you look at the set list and you're like, "Hell Destroyer," "Sabotage," "Bricks and Mortar," "Rats," "Arsenic in the Year of the Snake," "Lucifer's Rocking Chair." I mean, I could go on and on and on. like every single fucking song they played was fucking brilliant. Yeah, like completely brilliant. And they've got to the point now where Cancer Bats. They've kind of had that for a little while, but you know, there's a difference between being a band who can play for an hour and all the songs are good and you're you're engaged by it all, and a band who can play for an hour and every song you go, oh, uh, yeah, 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 oh, they're playing Road Sick now, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. do you know what I mean? They so, have got to that point. They've got six records. Um, I think the general consensus. I know you pretty much love all of them. I think the general consensus is at least. At least four are fucking amazing. Yeah. Probably five, you know. Yeah. Um, um, so they are getting to the point where the wealth of material they have, they're getting to this point now where you will go away not hearing certain songs that you probably yeah. want to hear. There's but, a lot but, of, yeah, there were, there were a lot of like, I mean, when they did the, um, they did the Hell Destroyer show yeah. at the Underworld, which was fucking brilliant um, earlier in the year. That was amazing. And it was great to hear the kind of the end you don't often hear the end of Hell Destroyer, those songs live. Yeah, true. But 
Um, you know, album shows versus kind of greatest hit sets, obviously that's a different mm-hmm. conversation. But I think having not seen Cancer Bats play for an hour of just like, oh, I wonder what they're going to play. Getting that Cancer Bats greatest hit set was fucking awesome. And Liam was great. Liam like went to pull his hoodie off at the start of the set and his t-shirt came off with it. And he just sort of went, I'm body positive, dude. <laughs> <laughs> like He's so funny. He's and, um, and they were great. And what that meant was, is that bless them, poor old anti-flag yeah. looks sort of silly. Right, going on right, after right. I mean I, I'm not an anti-flag fan I'm not really either, uh, they just say. feel they don't feel very ri- like for a band who are friends of Rage Against the Machine and have this huge kind of political agenda yeah I just don't buy it yeah well, it just feels really false to me the whole thing felt really kind of not disengaged because people were definitely engaged and they've got some pretty good songs but I just don't believe them I just don't believe that. Like, I think that like that is my main problem with Anti Flag. When I watch them live, I just think this feels really, really showy to me. This it's feels not, really false. It's an odd. I, I, I'm not disagreeing with you because I've, I've, I don't think I've seen Anti Flag live actually, so I can't I can't say one way or the other. But um, it's an odd. It would be an odd thing to put politics into your songs because that actually puts people off more than in, in a commercial aspect. Aspect, you're actually putting people off rather than turning them mm. on to your music though so um if that is indeed the case i'm not saying if it is or isn't but that would be a very unusual weird thing to do yeah it's quite weird but it, i mean that's just how i feel yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I watched them and it all just felt a little bit clinical and it felt a, like even i'm not a massive fan of rise against Right, okay. I much prefer Rise Against. Oh, I much, much, much prefer Rise Against Mm -hmm. as a band. I'm not a massive fan of Rise Against, but I look at Rise Against and when Rise Against was supported by Pennywise, I was like, Pennywise are just, they feel so much more dangerous at this point than Rise Against. Rise Against are a massive rock band, like a very good one, but they're a massive rock band. And I kind of, and I looked at Anti-Flag and I was like, I mean, you're still playing ostensibly kind of this punk rock music but it all just felt a little bit rehearsed okay. like the bass player kept getting up on the on the on his bass uh, like amp and then jumping off like choreographed in exactly the same like exactly the same time during every same part of the song and it all felt a little right. bit overly earnest okay. it felt a bit yes. green day for yes me. yes okay so it wasn't great um, but that being said, on Saturday, I went to go and see Will Haven, who are going to be coming up later on in the show, with Palm Reader, who are going to be coming up later on the show. Palm Reader, again, I think we've spoken enough about Palm Reader at this point, really, and people know how great they are. Like, like hopefully, yeah, the more clued up UK underground aficionado will know how great Palm Reader mm. always are. Um, but I'm it, assuming they were great as always. Yeah, they were fucking great. You could tell Josh. Josh was not very well, and you could tell oh, that he was okay. losing his voice. But he still sounded good. But you could tell there were a couple of times where he was he was definitely straining to hit those notes. But those songs from Braille just sound fucking monolithic yeah. live. Well, absolutely let's, monolithic. Let's save the Uber praise because they've just announced doing Braille, Braille in full. full. Yeah. yeah, and I imagine we'll both go to that. Won't we? Yeah, yeah, of course, brother, definitely. So. Palm reader being palm reader, um, yeah. mate. Will Haven played the same night as Slayer. Yes. Right? Now that's some fucking commitment to go, no, I'm not going to go to the last ever Slayer show with Lamb of God, Anthrax and Obituary. It is. To go and watch a band from the 90s who haven't toured over here for four years or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right? At no point during that evening did I even vaguely regret going to see Will Haven. Wow. They were absolutely fucking outrageously brilliant. Okay. As, and 
we were talking last week about sick of it all, how they're still as good life. Wilhaven, I was like, there's no way they can still do that. They used to like thrash their bodies around yeah. so much, like when they play a song like, you know, Fresno yeah. or um, I've Seen My Fate or Ego's Game or whatever. You just hear those crushing riffs come in and they would absolutely throw their bodies around. And, and Jeff and Grady who are kind of basically the two remaining kind of original members who yeah. are now like, it must be in their mid to late 40s. Yeah, you would have thought so. <laughs> we're going absolutely... I was like, well, you haven't aged at all. They don't look like they've aged in their face and they don't look like they've aged when they're moving around or the way they sound or anything. Jeff was getting up on top of the speaker stack on top of the, the PA. Excellent. And like, unlike the guy from Anti-Flag, you know, he just felt like he was doing it. He suddenly was up there and then he'd fall off and the song would just fall to pieces because he was up there and then he'd fall on his face and he'd mm. sort of get back up again and it would all kind of just go... And then mm. they were back in these mm. fucking monolithic grooves. I was having a chat with Merlin from Metal Hammer who was like, you going to Slayer? I said, no, I'm not going to Slayer. I'm going to see an actually heavy band. And he went, wow, you know, he's like, you know, they're, they're, Wilhaven are not heavy than Slayer I'm sorry but they are they are heavier than Slayer and he said well you know I mean but Black Sabbath are heavier than Napalm Death and I think that's a bit of a silly thing to say but um they're definitely I mean they're less they're undoubtedly less palatable and harder to get into than Slayer Will Haven definitely and they're heavy like Swans or Neurosis yeah Will Haven are like a kind of pop version of Neurosis if that makes any <laughs> sense because the songs are yeah, very very simple but yeah. they're all about when neurosis lock into those grooves but it takes neurosis 10 15 minutes to get there those songs are nightmarish and yeah. grady's lyrics are these kind of like jack crack like mm-hmm. beaten extremes of consciousness and they they just hit it like it's a hideous amalgam of disgusting blobs of noise that just smash you in the face and they're still so powerful uh, the set list was incredible. Yeah, like, what did, did they play a lot of Murta? They played a fair bit of Murta and it sounded uh-huh. really fucking good. The first song off it, which I, I can't remember what it's called off the top of my head now, but when they played that, because they came on and they played, um, Fre- it is Fresno, the first song off WHV, and you know the one that goes, uh, let's go for a walk, yes, we'll paint the sky, <laughs> we'll cut the lights on, it's like Grady's in the room. I, I do apologise if anyone's turned off on that. Yeah, but that one. Um, and then they did Carpe Diem. Boom, oh. boom, boom, boom. Carpe Diem! <laughs> are we going to get the whole set? Oh, I we? hope so. I would like, but honestly, my back and my neck and my shoulders are absolutely fucked. Because there are not many bands that make me lose my shit. Yeah. More than Wilhaven. Yeah, I could yeah. not fucking... So, anyway, if they come back again, hopefully they won't be clashing with Metallica or something like that. I fucking hope so, because I <laughs> it's been... Uh, I've not seen Wilhaven since they've reformed. Wow. So, uh, and, and actually, before then, I only saw them once. Um, so, yeah, I would really like to see Wilhaven again. It's been yeah. a really So, the point was, actually, time. they did those two, and then they think they did one more, and then they did... Um, they did the first track from Murta. And that actually... So I was like, my God, this sounds heavier. Mm. Sounds heavier mm-hmm. than those classics. So brilliant. Like, absolutely brilliant. One of the great live bands. And I'll be chatting to him later, so I'll say no more. Amazing. Um, anyway, Renfrey. Yeah. Wembley Arena, the last ever Slayer show in yeah. this country. Uh, so, uh, apparently. In, in London, in London, yeah. Oh, okay, in London. Uh, well, they got another date in the UK? I thought they ended it They did Cardiff yesterday oh did they okay fine so anyway this last Slayer tour yeah last Slayer tour in the UK yeah let's start with obituary Um, I missed obituary because they were on at 20 past 6 oh fucking brutal Anthrax Anthrax I saw how were they Um, good 
Good. You sound surprised. Um, you know what? In uh, in the big four, in the rankings of big four, I'd say Anthrax are my number five after Testament. Oh! Uh, <laughs> um, you uh, bitch! I am a bitch, yeah, handbags out. Um, so from that point of view... Yeah, so so the the the, the band of that thrash big four ilk that I like the least. Not that I don't like them at all. I'm mm. just like, eh. um, they were good fun. I mean, they were they, they were good fun. They were yeah. fine. Okay. Um, they they definitely got the crowd going. And Scotty and like there were lots of pits like from the beginning. Like mm. it's just constant pits, pits, pits. And Scotty Ian was fucking brilliant. Like such an excellent. I know. Um, it's uh, oh, it's Joey Belladonna, isn't it? Yeah, he's a fucking um, clown, Belladonna. I do you know him. what? I've seen Belladonna be fucking awful. And I'll give him credit. He was really good on Saturday night. Like, he was hitting... Well, he was hitting the notes. <laughs> let's, let's put it like that. So I've seen him not hit the notes quite a few times. And um, But no, they were really good. And Scott Ian was just, like, being the showman. Mm-hmm. And it was just fantastic. So it was really good. There was also, I believe, I'm guessing Scott Ian's kid. I'm not sure. But there was a kid off to the side of the stage who was dressed as Freddie Mercury and going mental the whole time. <laughs> right. Which was the main thing that I was concentrating sure on. Was Rami Malek? <laughs> it could have been. Could have Did been. Did he come on and go, yeah, no, 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 And people went, slay out. And he went, ah, see you later. <laughs> but actually, that's an interesting point. Because obviously the cliche is like, um, people don't give a fuck about the supports at Slayer yeah. shows. And that was not the case with mm. Anthrax or Lamb of God. Who... Yeah, Lamb of God, I think a, that's a tough oh, band to follow, isn't it? Fuck me. Um, you saw them with Megadeth, didn't you? When they lasted Wembley Arena. They wiped their ass with Megadeth. They did wipe their ass with Megadeth. That's an interesting, uh, not literal um, thing to say. <laughs> I, <laughs> I think they were even better. Fucking hell, yeah, no. Yeah, fucking hell. Is that even possible? Yeah, uh, because I saw it on right, Saturday. Oh, yeah, I mean, I, I think can't imagine it. even better. I thought wow, they were fucking hell. amazing. Randy was just bouncing <laughs> all over the fucking place. They were clearly in an amazing... I mean, it felt like they were headlining in lots of ways. Um, and uh, the show they put on was just fucking excellent. Only nine songs. I didn't want it to end. It was absolutely amazing. Um, I don't want to be too harsh about this sort of stuff, because obviously they've had a lot of... Uh, difficulties in the last few years like i'm not even just talking about the randy stuff like uh chris hadler's just had a motorcycle accident i didn't even realize until yeah and uh, mark morton had a a problem with something as well exactly so so i don't want to be i don't want to be like where's new material but also the lamb of god fan in me is like i really would like some new material it's only been three years i know it's not a long, long time for a really, really it's big not band a like long, that. Long, long. Maybe I'm being. Oh, you know, I don't want to come across as a dick. They've had a lot of issues in the mm. last few years, but but um, the set list was remarkably similar to the Megadeth one. But yeah. you know, special uh, occasion. I feel like. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, you know, it's fine. So anyway, um, Slayer. Slayer. So I think we were expecting Slayer have coasted quite a lot for quite a long time. Um, certainly mm. on album. Uh, oh, certainly on record, yeah. Um, live, they've been very hit and miss. Um, I've been quite fortunate, actually. I have saw them at Sonosphere a few years ago where they were fucking incredible. Oh, my God, they were amazing. They were so Sonosphere. good then, yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, the Big saw, Four. Yep, the Big Four yeah, shows. great. Uh, well, Testament weren't there, but apart from that. Um, I saw them at the Forum and they were pretty damn good then. You know, so, but, so I have seen good Slayer shows, but they definitely have been very hit and miss. Mm. This is... 
so you know i've only been seeing slayer since i don't know mid 2000s or something like that so i'm you know it wasn't there back in the day and all that sort of shit blah 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 so it's probably the best slayer show i've ever seen in my life oh wow okay cool after lamb of god i was a bit like okay that's gonna be it's it, you know it's probably not gonna be as good as that let's just fucking calm down it's not gonna be anywhere near the standard of lamb of god the fact that they matched it uh, i didn't think it was better but i thought they matched lamb of god's even better performance <laughs> Uh, than last time they were over at Wembley Arena. It helps that they had a fuck ton of fire. Oh my God, they had so much fire. Um, Slayer aren't really known for putting on a show. And I don't know know if you'd call setting the stage on fire all the fucking time (laughs) putting on a show. I suppose it is. But oh, fuck me. It was brilliant. They had like the Slayer logos, like cast iron in metal, which is about as metal as one can get. And then they set those on fire and the um, the fire pyros were just set off to the, I, I think they were set off in time to the drums, you know, they were just doing like, they were just going off at the same time that all these, yeah. that Paul Bosford was just hitting the shit out of them. Fucking amazing performance from, I've always preferred, um, uh, Gary Holt. No, drummer. Javon Lombardo. Thank you. I've always preferred Lombardo, but I thought Bostaff was fucking amazing. Oh, Bostaff's a great drummer. I'm I mean, not, that's the thing, man. Never said yeah. he wasn't. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm I think saying... people people do get funny with that, but I just like Bostaff is a fucking great drummer. Like, I was... Obviously, Lombardo is a king. Mm. He's a mm. fucking god. Mm. But you know, without wanting to sound like a Slayer fan, although yeah. I, uh, that is what I am. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, just setless wise, it was fucking faultless. Uh, played lots of. Um, they played stuff from God Hates Us All, which was great. Yeah, nice. Uh, they played Payback, which is one of my favourite songs. <laughs> Payback is a bitch, motherfucker. Yeah. Uh, that's what Tom Mariah told me, and we all agreed. Um, and, um, oh. like, Sorry, Tom. I did I just bring this up. I don't think it, I don't think that's necessarily true. Um, yeah, the set list was just faultless, just like loads of stuff from all the stuff that you want to hear, like Dead Skin Mask, uh, War Ensemble. I mean, all the classics that they have to play. But also a couple of you know like I didn't expect to hear Disciple, but they did play Disciple. Oh really? I well, I love Disciple. Yeah, of course. I mean, you're um, only a human being. <laughs> um, and you know, it was a it was your usual kind of head heads down Slayer show. You know, there's not the same movement that Lamb of God had or anything like that. But just in uh-huh. sheer power and look, to be honest, the fire made up for that. Fuck yeah. me. I mean, I didn't realise how much I like fire until Saturday night. Fire's fucking cool, isn't it? Fire's fucking cool. It was just, I, I was more impressed with shitloads of fire coming out than I have been with bands who have had far more expensive shows. And I think it's just sort of, when you find an aesthetic show thing which fits so well with a band, mm. it's kind of just like, it doesn't require much thought. To go, oh, fire and slayer, slayer that's gonna fire. work. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. But the fact, but the fact that I'd never seen them do it before, it's just like, why the fuck weren't they doing this before? I mean, I guess they're just piling all the money that they possibly can into it. Plus, as well, thrash metal's never been the most um, theatrical of genres. No, true, yeah, true. Like, particularly the way Slayer do. It. I mean, there's, there, obviously, there is a piece of theatricality to it. Like when you look at their image and their artwork yeah. and all that kind of stuff. They've had occasional bits. I mean, when, yeah, they, yeah, when they, they did Raining Bloods, they had the, in oh, full, yeah. they had the blood, you know, raining down on them and all so that sort cool. of shit. 
Um, they had a lot of like turning crucifixes and stuff when they played Brixton. The last time I saw them sort of do a full headline set was at Brixton Academy with Anthrax and Cavell Attack and they were great then. Nice, well. so nice. I will take that memory of the last Slayer show. And- well, yeah, and this is the thing I have to say, I, you know, what I was kind of saying at the beginning is I, I hope this is the last time I see them because to be honest, I think they did themselves really fucking proud. I noticed right. today the Times gave them a five-star review. Did they? Um, yeah, I mean, fucking it was really... Hitches. I have to, you know, my my expectations were not not <laughs> low. I knew I was going to have a good night, and I drank plenty of beer, so uh, inevitably I was going to have a good how night. How you gauge how good a night you've <laughs> Well, beer and Slayer go well. Yeah, so of course. You know, they just go well together. Yeah. But um, my, I had uh, Will Haven and the Gin and Tonic. <laughs> oh, yeah. very nice. Um, but I was really floored by just how good Slayer were, and... Um, yeah, in in a weird way, I hope it is the last time I see them because that is one hell of an amazing way to go mm. out, I thought. I would quite like to see them one more time, but then also I have such fucking brilliant memories of Slayer and I have some fairly average memories of Slayer. So I feel like I have enough memories, hence you why know, I would see Wilhaven. But, I mean, um, I mean Slayer know. in Wembley Arena did not appeal to me all that much at all. And it was just the fact that this is supposedly the last... London show mm. um, you know we'll see if we'll get a festival performance or something like that but yeah. I don't know I don't I don't know I, I think I, I don't know if we will to be honest with you who mm. knows who knows I, I, mate they could end up still being on the road in 2022 like they've not they could. they've not hinted at the fact they've said like this is going to be the last tour but they might go on for four years yeah yeah so yeah. anyway Slayer Slayer we must uh, salute them <laughs> I am saluting bye right Slayer now. See you later. You were good. Uh, all right, let's do a little bit of news. So um, I don't know if you care about this. I, when we did our, um, our our Venn diagram of uh, Riot Act and we had prog as a as a, a category, got a few tweets from people saying you didn't mention Dream Theater as if that was a bad thing. But Dream Theater <laughs> have a new album coming out called Distance Over Time. Renfrey, do you care about a new Dream Theater album? Do you care about Dream Theater? Uh, I'm joshing no. a little bit. I quite like it. Like, I, what's the album Forsaken that came out about me in 2006? Do, do, do you know what would... But do you know the only reason I don't like Dream Theatre is James Lebrie? He's awful. But, it, it, he technically is not awful. Ooh, he, he, if you see him live now, he technically really? is awful. Oh, okay. Well, okay. From a technical point of view in the studio... He is certainly not an awful singer. It's just there's an awful lot of cheese to that man. And I find that um, uh, when Dream Theatre songs start, James LeBree's rarely on them. And there's like a minute instrumental like intro. And I'm like, this is fucking cool. I'm fucking... All that, innit? That sounds more Miles Davis, but fine. And... Anyway, I don't care about a new Dream Theater album. Hence why I'm not really taking this bit that seriously. Um, I know I don't particularly, but then people <laughs> who adore Dream Theater and adore, you know, the thing is, is that there aren't many people who are pushing prog as far as Dream Theater are in terms, and what I mean by that, I don't really mean in terms of uh, making it any better i just mean oh we'll release seven double albums in a row or whatever you know uh or like didn't they used to do they used to do shows where they, they would do a set and then they would play someone else's album yeah yeah which Weird, is bonkers 
Um, and, you know, they routinely do three-hour shows and all that kind of thing. Yeah. And if that is your so bag... So do we, though, to be fair. That so, is true. Yeah. And um, we put a lot more energy in... Sp- and uh yeah anyway i know what you're saying yeah, yeah. I, I mean you know they are one of the i guess i'm saying they're one of the few bands who are doing that and it satisfies a certain audience but i don't think either of us are in that audience no i, I actually quite like a couple of their records but i don't need any more yeah what's the what's the is it systematic overdrive yes that's it systematic chaos i like that's, that one there we go that yeah, is probably one. that and uh and the one with, what's the song yeah, I didn't. Yeah, Metropolis scenes from memory. That's good as well. Yeah. yeah, those are the only two that I would. And I like listening to. I like the the Personally. song. I like the big song from the images and words or whatever the first album. Um, called. yes, that's good as well. That's um, on, that's on Guitar Hero. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember what it's called. What's it called? Like um, Rainbow Dream. Yeah, going about space Unicorn. and time. That's it. Uh, that one. All right, <laughs> Megadeth have been added to the Aussie pre-shows. One for the kids, isn't it? And um, which is good. Aussie priest Megadeth in one night. If you're if you're old and <laughs> yeah, remember the say. great the glory days of heavy metal, that's a bit of you, isn't it's it? It's a good bill. It's good. Um, it's a good bill if you are yeah. Well, look, to be fair, I was listening to Judas Priest today mm-hmm. and they're fucking great. They're on such great mm-hmm. form. I'm really looking forward to, to that show. They will, they will, well, we, we've been wrong before, you know, I wasn't expecting Slayer to be as good as they were on Saturday, mm-hmm. but my prediction is they would be the best act of that. Yeah, bill. me too. Um, there's going to be a hundred more shows for the Dio hologram. They're flogging him till he's for fuck's sake. down, aren't they? So we've never seen this before. Hologram shows, like they're, yeah. they're gonna, they said there's going to be a Frank Zappa one coming as well. I don't get it at all no 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 i don't get it really i mean it's i don't know i suppose as um as bands are using a lot more tracks and stuff live i suppose it's becoming more blurred in terms of you know how live is live music anyway yeah um but you don't like that does he no do not like that do you <laughs> nope um, <laughs> but uh, I, was, I was I hesitated because I was like am I going to name names no um, but uh, I, I don't know I guess I don't really get the hologram thing at all I, I can't no. but then I've never been to a show with a hologram so half of me is kind of like can I really judge it without going but I'm so convinced that it just would do absolutely I'm fuck all for me I'm just not interested in seeing something that you know like you can it just feels like watching yeah. a thing on a video screen i mean so far they haven't done a hologram of someone who i desperately loved like an artist i desperately loved but let's say jeff buckley well i was was about to say jeff buckley or chris cornell let's say oh you've seen chris cornell i have seen chris cornell several times you see kurt cobain jeff buckley um god would i see a jeff buckley hologram joy division I mean... You go and watch New Order and then an Ian Curtis hologram comes up. Oh, oh God, that's horrible. What an awful idea. That just sounds I like the worst thing that's ever happened, what I've just suggested. In a, in a weird way, I'd rather kind of go to a cinema and see a Jeff Buckley performance. Like, that's yeah. been filmed, you yeah. know? But the thing is, is that would cost, you know, like a tenner. Yeah. And... It, I mean, honestly, it depends how much they were charging. And like, if there was a Jeff Buckley, holo- if there was a Jeff Buckley hologram show in like, I don't know, a, a small seated venue uh-huh. for maximum twenty quid, which is not going to happen. Let's you face are it. living in cloud fucking cookie. Well, exactly, but the, but but but, yeah. but but that's my point. Yeah, that's my fair. point. It's okay. not going to happen. No, so. It's not. 
you're going to get that at Wembley Arena and it's going to cost 90 quid a ticket. Exactly, which yeah. I think is fucking disgusting. Yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah, bollocks. Don't like that. Um, before we started, we watched James Corden did a sketch with Kiss. Predictably enough, it wasn't funny in the slightest. No, it was fucking uh, awful. I want to rock and roll all night, but James Corden was changing the words to going, I want to go to bed at eight and party on a Friday once yeah. a month or something. Like, ah, ha, ha, James Corden. Ha, ha, James Corden. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. You're hilarious. His, um, uh, we're both big fans of uh, Mark Kermode, the uh, film fan. critic yeah. uh, from uh, Live 5. And uh, his parents wrote into the show. Sticking to, up for him. My sticking son up for James him. is oh, pathetic. And I mean, I think the thing is, is... You know, not all people in the public eye do get famous, but if you're going... Uh, it's not like fame is a new thing for James Corden. It's not like no. criticism is a new thing for him. Well, certainly not. It's certainly not. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Kiss. I mean, Kiss are quitting, like, finally. They said they weren't going to, but, but they dumb. are. Um, and, they, they, you know, to sort of promote that, um, they went and did a sketch with James Corden, which has not made me want to go and see Kiss. You don't like Kiss, do you? I think they're fucking awful. Yeah, I I do like their greatest hits. I like some of their songs. I like. I'm going to sing another one now. Lick it up, lick it up. Mm. Ah, you got to start now. Can you describe my expression whilst you were doing that? Not happy. I was dead inside. <laughs> I just let me do it again. You know, I probably uh, right, yeah. right. mm. Lick it up. Oh, oh kush. Lick. Nah. Oh, I've suddenly become a massive Kiss fan. All right, um, let's do the trade off because this is gone. <laughs> stupid um i gave you let's we gotta do this one first i gave you deant words tension mm, 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 mm. now Renfrey, mm. i'm just gonna let you talk okay because i'm interested in what you think about this record mm. i've just I put sh- a reese's pieces in my mouth well all right then let me start um fucked up isn't it this mental is it pretty weird isn't it pretty weird thing <sighs> All right, so for, for those who don't know, and most people should know, but for those who don't know, this is the second album from the uh, Cape Town alternative hip-hop rave. Yeah. Groove Af- Afrikaans. Afrikaans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I've seen a lot of stuff about them kind of being... I mean, they were a very... They, they, certainly in the mid... Uh, what are we in? The tens? Are we calling it the tens? We'll call it the tens. The middle of this decade, they had a lot of like press and a lot yeah. of um, good stuff and bad stuff said about them. I was quite surprised. I was always <laughs> under the impression that critics just fucking adored Deanne Wood. And I looked at some of the um, press for this record. It was very, very mixed. Mm. They got two stars in Rolling Stone. Yep. Um, but, um, but there were some people... There was a Quietus review, which was talking about stuff in it that I had did not see, I have to say, and I'm not sure even if it's in there. Like what? Oh, just saying like it was a dystopian sci-fi future thingy jiggy me jiggy week. I right. was just like, what? I, uh, I didn't get that. Um, I don't know where to start apart <laughs> from to say I wrote a page and a half of notes. Oh God! On this, can I ask you one very simple yes or no question? Yeah. Do you like it? I think it's the most horrendous thing you've ever given me. <laughs> I fucking <laughs> hate 
This better than Clawfinger. Um, so I thought about it. I knew you'd bring up Clawfinger. Well, why wouldn't I? Um, <laughs> how, how long can I go in life in general without bringing up Clawfinger? <laughs> Not long. I think, I mean, I putting my objective head on, I don't think that I could say Clawfinger is better than this. Mm-hmm. But if, um, let's say you remember the CIA and you wanted to get information out of me and you locked me up in a room and played me very loud music in order to uh, break me down. Yeah. If you put the Deanna album on you would get information out of me a lot quicker than if you put the clawfinger album on you heard it here first folks <laughs> so there's a little tip in case you ever want to get any information <laughs> yeah. out of me yeah. um, but i i just so i knew bits and pieces um i knew i think you're freaky yeah uh i knew it? no fucking awful oh, um i think a lot of people kind of make the mistake that catchy is good and uh, sometimes, sometimes catchy is good, but sometimes catchy is like a drill going into your brain and then you can't get, extract a song out of your mm. brain face for days on end. Um, but it's the most annoying, cloying thing in the entire world. I think the thing that kind of uh, disappointed me the most, because, you know, I was aware, I'm aware of the image and stuff and I'm aware of, um, they were in that film Chappie. Yeah. Um, and all that kind of thing. I've seen it's a great that. film as well, isn't it? It's, a, it's good fun. Yeah, it's hey, pretty Jimmy, good. you want to go and destroy a binky? <laughs> Jimmy, you want to destroy a binky? <laughs> yes. So um, that's chappy. But and in terms of like the visuals and stuff like that, like it's so new and exciting mm. and fresh. Did you watch the video for Fatty Boom Boom, the Lady Gaga one? I didn't. Oh, no. mate, you have to watch that. It's one of the greatest music videos in history. Okay, yeah, fine. It's amazing. Um, and I would be interested to see that because I'd like to point out that like in terms of aesthetics and in terms of their visual style and all that kind of thing, I think it is fucking cool what they are doing. Mm. But I was kind of, my hope was that that would extend into the music as well. Mm. And instead what we get is this fucking atrocious 90s hip hop, 90s rave dance culture bullshit, right. um, which is the most insipid uh lacking in substance i mean it's the complete antithesis of the kind of music that i like right. <laughs> and want like i i tend to like music which has you know substance and the like is that it, do, do you think there's anything musically um not you know not revolutionary that sounds a bit but is there anything compared to their image is there anything musically uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Really? I, I, I think I mean I think Fatty Boom Boom is a really he's, he's got a really good use of tribal drums. I think it's incredibly. I, catchy. I think it's got a use of tribal drums. That's wicked use of tribal <laughs> drums. All right, well fine. I think so. What sounds like kind of Dre era Compton um, by way of a kind of Johannesburg insane asylum. I think it's brilliant. It does that kind of pimped out like. Um, 40 drinking high rolling thing but in like a slum which i think is really cool mm. i think um you make a ninja want to fuck sounds like buster rhymes doing some sort of 90s raves like some shitty euro dance 90s rave song which i think at least is so fucking stupid that it's good um I'm, i think I'm... for julie um there's a song on it called for for julie nayers yeah, yeah which yeah. sounds like early plan b now if you've ever heard the first plan b album it's one of the best hip-hop debuts of the 21st century for my personally i think he's become this kind of zoot suit dude now and he kind of went back to doing ill manners i think was the album where it went back to sort of a bit harder hip but that he, first he lives record, around the corner from me does he yeah, yeah he like that first album which is called 
um, uh, Who Needs Action When You've Got... No, that's not what it's called. I can't, I can't remember what it's called off the top of my head. But anyway, I've listened. That album is fucking brilliant. And oh. there's a bit of a nod. Not even a nod. Well, not even a nod, but it just kind of... It, it reminds me of that a little bit as well. I mean, it's very original sounding. Is it? I think sound. I don't think anyone else sounds like kind of really very aggressive gangster rap, which has not really been a popular style of rap for a long time with the sort of squeaky voice girl and like proper 90s Euro trash dance, which I know you don't like that. I I can't help but have a kind of soft spot for some of those sounds. It sounds quite dated, but it, I do like it. And I mean, you know, it's not all good. But it reminded me of a lot of the music I was subjected to when I worked at Virgin Megastore. Right. Um, which would have been late 90s, early 2000s, I think. Um, I, I, I just... Well, like Baby D, so you, so Let Me Be a Fantasy, stuff like that. Do you know? uh, I'm talking about like 9pm till I come and all that sort of stuff. Oh, yeah. But, but, with, but with a bit, like a, a <laughs> bit of a hip-hop element in it. I think I was just expecting... You know, I just... I can't really relate in any way, shape or form to this mm. in I, I i just i just like posturing in music don't like it immediately puts me off right. and it, that's that's like <laughs> it's the same reason why i can't get and behind. you don't like hip-hop you say it's, <laughs> well, 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 no, but i don't want to make out that like every single because you know, not all hip-hop a lot no, of mainstream no, of hip-hop is posturing yeah but there's a lot of hip-hop that isn't there's a lot of intelligent, a lot of the French stuff is not that kind yeah, of thing. Of it's actually quite political and interesting and, you know, but um, it's but it's exactly the same reason why I can't get behind King 810, for example. Yeah. So King 810, I find fucking abhorrent as well. And that's because there's, you know, I don't really care that you've got a Glock and a tiny penis. You know, I just don't care at all. Do you care about the penis at all? Or just the, you don't care about the two things combined? I don't care about either. Right. I'm sad to say. Individually or collectively. <laughs> Individually or collectively. I mean, let's get to the nub of the issue. Yeah. I do See, I don't care, care about, about the Glock and the penis. I don't mm. care about the Glock on its own. But I'm interested in the penis. <laughs> it's, it's good that you've got that on record. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> I, I, and I just, I, I, again, bringing it back to our friend Mark Hermos. He's not our friend. Mm. <laughs> He's someone who we admire very much. You know mm. when Mark Hermos goes on about like um, misogyny and movies and stuff like this, right? I'm not commodian in the sense that like i'm really offended by misogyny in movies i was expecting a little bit to, right so songs like dj um, high tech rules are you talking about perchance I'm, no i'm talking about you make a ninja walk and want to fuck right okay yeah. um uh, 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 like is this a parody or i think it's just i think they're just do you know what they remind me of gremlins you know the film gremlins yeah obviously you know the film gremlins, know gremlins, gremlins right are essentially I think are painted in a quite, quite an odd light because to me, I look at the gremlins, they just want to watch, they want free pick a mix. They want to go and watch Snow White. This is a very odd road you're going down, but fine. I'm going they with They want to watch Snow White. Yep. They, they're not out doing anything. They're just fucking having a laugh and they're mucking about. Like I kind of, I don't mind people. Like you watch some horror, you watch some like monster films and the monster is stalking people and trying to get them. Gremlins, they're just in a bath throwing peanuts around and like <laughs> pretending to be in flash dance. Well, that's, and then they go and watch Snow White and everyone's like, get them, out of the, get them out of the town, they're awful, they're horrible. And it's like, that's yeah, I can understand it, but they're just causing a bit of a ruckus. But I've, like, never, I've never heard Spike from Gremlins say, here we go, girl, don't start chickening out. You look real cute with my dick in your mouth, you know? I mean, Frank unless Carter that was cut. That, like, I mean, you got to, like, you know, Frank Carter says that in Orchestra of Wolves, doesn't he? Does he? 
Oh, but, not, but that's a par- But that's it's not a parody. But he's mocking he's that behaviour. He's yes. playing a character and he's mocking that behaviour. Mm. Whereas you know, it's about ty- that time, honey. Slide my schlong into your slime bunny. Yeah. Have you ever called it a slime bunny? No, I haven't. No. I mean, um, all the ladies love it when you call it mate, their private slime bunny. DJ High Tech rules. It says DJ High Tech will fuck you till you love me. Faggot, I'll fuck you in the ass. That's right. Which. But that's a bit much, admittedly. I like, just, that I, is a li- that's a, that's that's too much. I just, uh, I just, I don't, I don't want to like come across as uh, a prude or like someone who's just like, oh, I'm really offended by this because I'm not offended by it. I just think it's fucking stupid, <laughs> and I think there is so, you know what? We have a limited time on this planet. We do, and there is so much amazing art out there. I'm, if we let's just just music. Mm. Let's just talk about music. There are so much amazing things that you could be spending your time listening to. That's true. I don't want to spend three, four minutes. I don't want to spend 30 seconds hearing some person talking about a slime bunny and sliding their schlong into it, to Mm. be honest. Very quick word. I want to ask about skits. Skits is a hip hop thing. It is, yeah. Isn't it? Yo, I you let don't... me visit that fucking... Blew up your fucking first, you piece of shit, eh? That's yeah. right. That's yeah. exactly right. I'll fuck I... you up, eh? Hey, you fucking piece of shit, you bastard. I'm going to sound... you fucking nuts, eh? <laughs> right. You really do know this album, don't you? Well, no, I... I've been making that up. I'm going... So I'm going to sound incredibly white and middle class. I don't understand skits. What the fuck are skits about? I... Have you I ever don't... heard a good skit? Ever. The one in the Wu-Tang, 36 Chambers, I fucking fuck you in the head. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. I can't. <laughs> All right. Um, but yeah, they're, they're, they're silly. Uncle Jimmy, is it called? That mm. skit? Mm. I mean, it, it's essentially, um, what's what's her name? Yolanda, Yolanda coming Yolanda in. She Lisa. walks into a room. There's this guy called Uncle Jimmy. He's like, oh, come and sit in my lap. And she's like, oh, okay. I'll be, be, oh, be, 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 be. okay. Oh yeah, you like to sit on Uncle Jimmy's lap. Oh yeah, I like to. Sit. Oh, well, it'd be weird, but okay. And that's it. And it is more offensive than all of that sounds. Frankly, it's just <laughs> fucking it stupid. Is weird. It's... And I don't. I like. I uh, maybe the point is to offend people, but I kind of don't see the point in offending people for the sake of offending. I don't people. know. I'm not sure if it's particularly meant to be offensive. I just think it's a the thing. Do you know he's got a good skit? Insane Clown Posse have got one really, really fucking great skit. I mean, their entire careers are skit. Yeah, they have got one that's really funny where it's like some kid outside and his mum. He's like, "Dog, I'm a gangbanger, motherfucker," and then the kids like. Kid's mum was like, Frankie, come in for your dinner. He's like, yo, I got a gold dog. We'd be gangbanging tomorrow, but only between 5.30 and it's quite funny. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I think skits are the worst thing that have ever been recorded. <laughs> like, it's just, 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 just the worst thing that have ever been invented in music. Okay. So, <laughs> so, so this uh, was an utter waste of my time. So Renfrey doesn't, <laughs> Renfrey doesn't like the work. Fair enough. Um, you gave me Hindsight's Cold Walls, Cloudy Eyes. Yeah, very similar just- album. <laughs> Which I understand is a UK-based band. I know they recorded album in Manchester. Where are they from? They're from yeah, they were. Um, they were definitely UK-based. <coughs> um, they've split up, unfortunately. They only okay. did one one record. Oh, right. Okay. Um, but it was this one. Yeah, it's a good record. Mm. I mean, the thing is, I thought it was good. I thought it was quite good. I think there are a lot of bands who do this kind of quite earnest. Um, is it really punk or is it kind of earnest Springsteenian rock and roll? It reminds me of old school emo. Yeah, yeah. emo. And there's some good songs in it. I mean, I think there's a lot of bands doing this sort of thing very well. So when you say they split up, I'm not saying, oh, well, good, because they weren't good enough. But I do think there is a lot of bands. I mean, you know, 
when I think of a band like, even a band like Bellevue Days, who are a band that we haven't even uh, spoken Bellevue Days about. Are fucking great. Yeah, yeah, not even spoken about them. They're not big. And, um, and they do this a bit better, I think. Like, I like the record. Yeah. I think, I think for, for me in hindsight, it's just kind of like, they were a band for, as far as I'm aware, like a couple of years. And I mm. just, I, I thought it was a great debut album. They did an EP and an album. Yeah, and I they did an EP, yeah. There's a bootleg of their final show at the Boot, Dome. Leg. All right. Um, all right. Are you upset that I didn't like the Diane? No, no, it's fine. <laughs> um, and um, uh, I think it's more p- potential. I, I mean, I, I do think this is a really good debut album. Again, which just, I didn't see any press on it at all. Probably doesn't, I think it came out November, the year that it came out. Mm-hmm. That doesn't help um, because there's a bunch of yeah, massive releases all the around big that shit time. Comes out then, blah, blah, blah. Um, but one little interesting thing, uh, uh, factoid the guitarist who used to be in milk teeth this is his band Pre- oh, his previous um, band billy billy hutton yes that was his previous that. band i didn't know and that. do you want to hear a controversial opinion um no. i prefer this to milk teeth mm, i didn't want to hear that <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and I, I remember thinking at the time i was like why did you leave hindsight to go to milk teeth yeah, and I mean, we the, well, there's an obvious reason because Milk Teeth were like much like bigger proposition, bigger. Mm. Um, but better as well. They are better. I think. I, I think they're completely different bands. They I, are completely. I, different I'm, bands, I'm just yeah. saying, I prefer Hindsight. So I'm not okay, even saying they're enough. better. I, I think this is all right. Okay. I, mean, I don't really have much to say about it, Renfrew, because I just think it's a quite decent way to pass the time. I can talk it. about Diane a bit more if you want. No, no, let's just fucking move on. Uh, but no, I, I, no, mate, this is a perfect... If you are an absolutely huge fan of kind of rattling, earnest, emotive punk rock, I think you'll have a good time listening oh, to this record. I think, I think you will definitely have a good time listening to this record. Whether or not you feel the need ever to go back to it, I personally, I'm not so sure. I listen to it on a semi-regular basis. Mm-hmm. I do really like it. And a, a lot of the time it's just like, oh, what could have been? Yeah, if they, they needed continued. more skits. Was what they needed more skits yeah, in between right. songs. Um, <laughs> hey guys, ah, oh, I got my willy out and then you go, oh, brilliant, and then a song will start. On a record like this, <laughs> yeah, on a record like this, it'd be like, oh, someone's cried <laughs> on my willy. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, it's I. Someone's cried. <laughs> write someone's cried on my willy down because I want the title to be <laughs> someone's cried on. I want. I apologise to all of our budding artists out there who go, oh, I might get right act to do a thing. And then you get given the words, someone's cried on my willy. And you've got to write, do a bit of art for that. But, you know, that's, um, that's, that's what it is. That's, that's set in stone now, mate. Is it? I think so. Well, we'll see. We will see. <laughs> we'll see anyway, uh, but yeah, it's a decent, it's a decent record, and I think you know you could do, uh, you could do much worse. I probably could you... listen to it again. I reckon. I don't <laughs> know. No, 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 no. I mean, I probably could listen to it again and get and think. I might one day think oh, I might put that on. Do you know oh, what I mean? see, see, yeah, right, right. Sorry, yeah, 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 okay. Yeah, I'd say like if you loved Mineral and uh, early Jimmy World mm-hmm. and um, Sandra Real Estate and. Promise ring, all that stuff. All yeah, that stuff. Sort of stuff. I mean, which I do. Yeah, I think I that's do. the thing. I do, I do love that stuff. So mm. when a record like this comes along, I get oh, it's like the old emo stuff, and <laughs> yeah. I get excited. So yeah. there you go. So next week, what are you going to give me? Um, I need to ask you a bit. I probably should have done this off mic, but um, no, that's all right because I'm going to ask you something in a minute because I think you might have heard what I'm. What okay, give you. how far? I I believe. 
I think you're a bit of a annual and so um, uh, Trail of Dead fan. I'm an uh, that is a Trail of Dead tattoo. Oh fuck me! That's an annual notice by a Trail of Dead tattoo. Oh, so there's probably no. So how far into their catalogue do you go? Everything. You've done everything, right? Let's stop. Well, what with what that, were, you, were you going to give me? I wanted to give you Worlds Apart because what? Mate, a this is record. this is from Worlds oh, Apart. It? What's it say? I can't read it's it. A, well, I'll tell you later. I'm not telling Ooh. these people. They, they've got absolutely <laughs> no right to know. But um, yeah, that's that's from. Um, uh, the first track on oh, Worlds Apart okay. so don't give me that alright whatever you do I'm going to give it alright oh, right. let me while you're thinking about an alternative no I've got an how... alternative okay go on uh, do you know Reflux by uh, sorry the band of Reflux oh Reflux no I don't I think it's called The Illusion of Democracy okay I can do that don't know that right i got to ask you how much do you like Killing Joke uh, yes you could probably do this I have a best of that is it I've right, heard the okay. first album Absolute Descent by okay. Killing Joke is what I want you to listen to, Renfrey. Their first album, but I think it's 2010, I want to say, or 11, maybe mm-hmm. 2011. But anyway, it's their first album back with their iconic bass player, Youth. They're playing uh, the Roundhouse. They're playing the Roundhouse soon. soon. I always go and see Killing Joke every year. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, because they're one of the all-time great bands. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Next week, I'm going to get, what is it, Reef? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> reflux, the reflux. illusion of democracy. Yeah, illusion of democracy. Renfrey is going to get absolute dissent by killing joke. Play along at home and tweet us at Riot Act underscore podcast and go, I listened to the Diantwell album and I thought it was silly and good and I'm not a prude like Renfrey. <laughs> I am such a prude. He's such a prude. Yeah. Um, okay, let's do some reviews. Uh, we're going to start with. This might be a bit of a tough one for me, to be honest. We're going to start with the new Architects records, Holy Hell. It is the eighth album from the Brighton-based tech metal superstars, who at this point, for me, have completely transcended the scene um, from which they came. Now, this album has a quite a big, obviously has quite a big backstory to it. And I think at this point, most people are aware of the backstory and the circumstances within which this album has been conceived and created. So um, the brain and the heart of Architects was Tom Searle, who passed away um, after the release of All Our Gods Have Abandoned Us, which was the last Architects record. I'm not quite sure if any band could follow All Our Gods Have Abandoned Us. Listening back to it today... um, it feels like one of the albums that captured a moment. I think we spoke about the Satanist a few times. We spoke about stage four last week. Mm-hmm. We spoke about the Satanist and how the Satanist was conceived and created and written and recorded in quite exceptional circumstances. I feel like that about all our gods have abandoned us as well. Um, listening back to it today, which I do a lot, it feels like it's an album that's full of resignation and bitterness and fear and regret and anger and it feels like it's written by somebody who kind of deep down somewhere inside their subconscious possibly knows what their fate was going to be so it's a tough record for me to listen to and I think it is it is a legitimate masterpiece and Tom is was a beautiful human being and an incredibly talented human being um and so how do you follow that? That's a tough thing to follow. If you're a fan of the band, I think um, 
the stakes are really, really high for architects. And I know everybody who's connected with that band, everyone who loves that band is obviously willing, holy hell, to be special, is to be the album that can follow that up. Um, Renfri, you are different to me, aren't you? (laughs) You don't have the same uh, level of... We definitely come reverence with... for architects that I have. No, it's not. Um, it, I fully accept that architects are one of the best, if not the best, actually, um, band in a subgenre <laughs> that <coughs> does absolutely nothing for me. Mm-hmm. So, um, although I hear absolutely everything you're saying and completely. I certainly, yeah, complete. I mean, I, I suppose the other thing with Tom is he was considered um, one of the primary, if not the primary songwriter yeah, the, in Nugsex. The, the main guy, really. So I guess there was a lot of um, fear about how this record would sound because I suppose it's the first. I don't know if there, I think there are bits and pieces left over from Tom's stuff. There which, is, there is, there is. Um which they've said they'll, they won't say what is and yeah. what isn't and all that kind of thing. But as an Architects fan, do you think this sounds any different? You know, do, do, do you... I suppose that's been the fear, isn't it? Mm. Is the next record going to sound... Is, is it still going to sound like Architects considering that one of the chief songwriters has is no longer with us? And as a fan, how do you feel about that? I, I think... I'm just going to say straight away, I'm like I say, I think you're on, it's an impossible task, whatever the circumstances really, yeah. to follow all our gods have abandoned us. I genuinely feel that that is, it's impossible, it would have been impossible for any band to have topped that record. I don't think that's possible. I genuinely don't believe they could have topped it. What I think they could have done is make the, ex- the exact album that they should have made. Um, Josh Middleton from Silosis has come in, who is an exceptional guitar player, an absolutely exceptional guitar player. He has brought a little bit of something different, but familiar to Architects. He's a great pick, I think, because obviously he's hugely connected with the band. I know like Silosis and Architects have toured a lot over the years. I know that they're really kind of, they've, they've they've been close and they've been really tight from before kind of Josh join the band and I think um, he is such a dexterous talented guitar player that he's been able to you know architects don't sound like Silosis Um, Josh has his own style but he also has been able to adapt to fit in with the kind of the core sound of what architects is but the record they've made um, it's not a massive step away or a departure from the core sound of architects, oh. but it feels like everyone else in that band making a big stride forward for their own place and their own piece of importance as to what architects is. To me, this album is, it's a beautiful, brave, grieving record that says so much about loss and love and um and heartache and it's done with genuine passion um and genuine love and it 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 doesn't stray 
far away from what architects have kind of always been. But it is a bit different. It is a bit. It it all feels a bit different, and it feels a bit more. Um, it's all about emotions in it. I think. Do you know what I mean? I, I, architects are a really emotional band, and you know, and Sam Carter. I think this might be for everything I said about the previous record. I think Sam on this record is an absolute force of nature. He's one of the best vocalists on earth. Full stop anyway but his performance on this record is is completely world class and there are moments on this record where i think this might be there are moments where you go this might be the absolute a game of what sam's ever done because he screams and he sounds angry but he articulates every syllable every word you know what he's saying i want to shout out dan um dan sell tom's brother the drummer uh, in the band who <sighs> has had this fucking hideous thing happen to him and the lyrics he's written on this on this album are are incredible like some of the out you know I, I think you know when when you think about um how to be clear and explicit about what you're talking about like i feel like i every lyric resonates with me it would have been easy to be schmaltzy or overly emotional or do you know what I mean? It would have been easy to, um, to make it so explicit that it was almost, I don't want to use the word obvious or trite or do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, it, it's a really, really tough balancing act to do something where people know exactly what you're talking about, but at the same time, they don't just go, oh, well, obviously that's going to be about that. And oh yeah, it's, it's a sad thing. But I mean, it's, it's, it's obviously a record enormously preoccupied by mortality yeah, and death. I mean, there are bits where you hear Sam, when Sam sings like about fighting with broken bones, or I guess we're mortal after all, or can you feel the empty space? And particularly, um, the lyric on Doomsday, souls don't break, they bend, uh, is just such a fucking, such a brilliant line. And it's obvious what they're referring to. Um, but it never, ever feels anything other than real. It always serves a song. Um, to me, they're, they're, they're all about the layers that are in Architect's music. I don't think... They're the sort of band that you can sit down, even when it's explicit, even when you know the backstory. I think there are so many little layers in all of this. Like, there's this kind of almost like you know the you know the Night Rider music. Yeah. There's almost like this kind of electronic throb underneath Mortal After All, which then turns into this kind of plucked orchestral string refrain. And it, mm-hmm. it and the first time you listen to that song, you don't even hear it you don't hear it at all the second time you listen to it it might seep into your subconsciousness a bit the third time you hear it you go oh that's a really cool electronic part Mm. they've got the fourth fifth sixth time you listen to it you go that actually it's like a chrysalis for for something else that changes throughout the song and that's the kind of musically i think that's the kind of the real the thing that sets architects apart from all of their peers 
like all of their peers, any other band who have ever made this type of music, that's the sort of thing that sets architects apart from those bands. Because those bands cannot, they do not have it in their armory to be able to create something like that. And architects do. And I think that's fucking, that's amazing. So you need to give this record a lot of listens, but it is blatant from the word go, you know, what this record is about and what it refers to. And that was always going to happen. Mm. Um, I think they've dealt with it really, really well. Mm-hmm. I think they've dealt with it incredibly well. And I think they always have. I yeah. will, um, you know, even as someone who is quite vocally not a fan, I've always had an enormous amount of respect for the way that they've dealt with uh, incredibly tragic circumstances. Um, an enormous... I think... I. I think everything, every move that they've made has been the right one in mm. terms of, in terms of that sort of thing. Definitely. Mm. Um, I think to keep your standard this high and to not like, I, I feel that they would have thought we can't let Tom down. Do you know what I mean? I, mm-hmm. I felt like they would have felt like that. Like we have to make a record that, um, that he would like. And to do that and not let him down, but also being able to kind of grieve in front of their fans and in, front, in, in public at the same time. Um, I think that's really amazing. It feels like a record that they want, um, you know, there are bits in it that they clearly want people to respond to live. There are like, you know, haze <laughs> implanted into it that, yeah. you know, James Hetfield would sort of, do uh, yeah stuff like that you know there's there's bits that they want people to be involved with in the record and i'm sure that those shows are going to be incredibly um cathartic for Mm. band and fans alike still like i mean the the brixton show was was one of the best gigs i've ever been to but it was incredibly difficult to be at Ali Pally felt like... When was uh, Brixton? Brixton was about... Last year? No, it was the year before. Right. So it was it was a few months after what had happened with... Right. Oh, with yes, I, I recall this. Year. And then uh, Ali Pally was the start of this year. And that felt like this massive, huge, massive celebration. Um, and it felt like this utter vindication of like every British freak kid that ever wondered about what they could do with heavy music Mm. going, there you go. That's what you Mm. can do with heavy music. And it was, they were both beautiful in their own way. They were both very, very different, but very, very, uh, hugely, hugely inspiring and like super emotional and just, just brilliant. And, um, and then, um, you got you got Wembley Arena coming up, and I, mm. I can't imagine for the life of me that with these songs that Wembley Arena is gonna sort of be taken down a notch. Like I, I just I can't imagine that that's what's gonna happen. I think that at this point, um, architects are like the, the they've for, for so many reasons they've 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 really grabbed grabbed hold of people and they've really they really genuinely touch people um 
But then at the same time, they've got like, there's a song called The Seventh Circle, which is under two minutes long. Seventh Circle is my favourite song. It's, it's the heaviest thing they've done <laughs> yeah. in a long fucking time. And they've, you know, this album is not all kind of slow and orchestral and clean sung and, you know, morbid. It's, it's still full of heavy parts and it's still full of these fucking monolithic riffs and it's still got this taut rhythmic section which just fucking throw you around like a rag doll and Sam's voice as I said you know it's not just clean singing from Sam he's screaming he's going fucking he's but you can it's just because you can understand what he's saying he's got that same thing as like Lamb of like Randy from Lamb of God's got where you can kind of you can understand what Randy's saying even though he's you know, belching his guts up, and Sam. I think really, the, or, or, or you know, I, I, Sam gets compared to Chester Bennington a lot, and I can kind of yeah, like, yeah. But Jacob understand. Bannon made a lot of um, steps towards that on the new conversion yeah. record. He was yeah, talking. Yeah, about. Yeah, I, mean, yeah. I wouldn't say Jacob Bannon as a whole, but on no, uh, the no. Dusk in Us, yeah, the, yeah, he made a lot of steps. And, and Sam has has got that, and I mean, there's so many moments on his record that give me full blown goosebumps. From the second the kind of the orchestral swell comes in on the first track, "Death Is Not Defeat," and that rid like. <laughs> That is, to me, that's this album, a microcosm, because it starts off and it, you you get kind of like butterfly at, at the sound of it, and then they just go sharp right off. We go, we're going somewhere else now, and you go, oh fuck, and suddenly it's heavy as fuck, and then they take you back into these like kind of sweeping, emotionally charged parts, and they just know exactly how to 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 swing that pendulum. I think it's fucking, it's fucking great. I mean, you know, when this, all of kind of Mortal After All is amazing. Um, the outro of Modern Beggars is fucking amazing. The strings in all of, of Doomsday. I mean, again, Do, you know, Doomsday's been out for a long time now, but still, especially within the context of this record, makes it sound 10 times bigger. Um, yeah, I mean, there's so much to sort of admire on this record. Um, and I think, you know, the fact that you don't know what's Josh's and what's Tom's and that that transition has been so seamless, I just think is incredibly impressive on Josh's part. I think it shows how, what a unit the rest of the band are together. Um, I have to say for, for, if fans were concerned about (coughs) this record sounding drastically different, Mm. I don't think it does. No, I don't. To be honest, I from don't. the past four records, I would no. say. I, th- I think the the only thing different about it is the same thing that is different different about every Architects record, and that is that it has it it it, it has its own emotional space and intention, and for me, it's certainly the most. Um, I'm not sure. I mean, I think all your gods because of. What happened in the aftermath of it? I think everything about all your gods now is, for me, it's, it's their masterpiece. And I think you know that's a someone who will go back to Daybreaker or fucking Hollow Crown or particularly you know Lost Forever, Lost Together, and just listen to those records and go fucking hell. But um, yeah, I mean, it's really good. It's really really good. I mean, it's really 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 good. So this hasn't disappointed you as an Architects fan no. at all? Mm. Not at all. I am really, I'm really, really pleased. I was a bit worried putting it on because mm. I didn't want to not like it. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to not like it. 
And I just felt like, as a band, they were kind of on a hide into nothing. Mm. I think, but but then I I felt that about Bay. You know, that's not a kind of. I felt that about Behemoth. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I put the Behemoth one on, and I was a little bit like, oh god, I don't know how. How do you follow that? <clears throat> like, how do you follow the Satanist? Mm. How are Code Orange going to follow forever? Forever, yeah. You know, um, how are Two Show More going to follow Stage Four? Like, how mm. do you do that? Yeah. You kind yeah. of can't. Yeah. You kind of physically, you physically can't do that. But and it would make sense to do what Behemoth did and go, well, we probably won't really. We'll only half try. Well, this is the thing. I, I, I was actually expecting Architects to do something a bit different. And and I think there are minor, minor pushes in, in the direction of doing it. I think I think this is probably the most melodic record they've released since Daybreaker, probably. Well, the... Um yeah what's the, the i'm one? referring to you because obviously you're the bigger architects yeah. fan but but well when they released um oh my god what's that fucking what's the one called with uh where they did go kind of full-blown uh the here and now the here and now yeah of course um come yeah on, come on mate yeah i know yeah. Fucking <laughs> um they're just completely let out my head yeah so with the here and now obviously is a very different, different record yes yeah, yeah, yeah but um so yeah you know uh i think but they don't go. Obviously, that, that this doesn't sound like that in any way. No, no, no. I, I, to, like to be to be clear, I, I don't think uh, you know. If any, if, I don't know. If anyone is concerned that the architects are, aren't heavy anymore, any bullshit, you know, like, that's not the case. They are definitely still heavy. Yeah. Uh, I. I uh, well, it's, <laughs> it's very difficult to follow any of that up, especially with coming from. Uh, the perspective of someone who has confessed that they are you know not a fan so uh-huh. like it's 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 so architects is such a it's such an interesting one for me because i am so completely and utterly aware i am completely and utterly on my own with regards to architects mm. in terms of and in in a way you know no one unless you're a fucking dickhead no one wants to dislike a band. No one wants to. No one wants to put on a record and not like it. Because mm. if you put on a record and you like it, you'll get something <laughs> out of it. And architects have been uh, a constant frustration for me in the last ten years mm. because the industry at large and fans are so dedicated. I mean, I've watched you talk about this record as this really emotional thing and welling up and all this sort of thing. I didn't feel anything from this record at all. I don't. And, and, and that is not, <laughs> that is not, no, mate, that is, that is, that is yeah. not me going, therefore it doesn't work because it clearly does. And it clearly mm. has. And early reviews have been really good, but there's this irritating thing with me that I just cannot, understand what it is about architects that people respond to in that way i find i i it just and i I think i think it's to do with the dressing of you know the metal core dressing this thing that i constantly bemoan in that it's just it's just a subgenre that is so not of interest to me that i'm never going to be able to penetrate it this when they 
there are parts in it that remind me more of like the new the way the new Tesseract album goes. I mean, I, I would argue that this has so little to do, if anything, to do with with metalcore at all. I... Do you know what I mean? I, I don't... That's why I think it's kind of odd. I mean, and, and you've picked the most metalcore-sounding song, Seventh Circle. Yeah, we, at, I, I do realise there is an irony. I do realise there's an irony in that. Um, I think... Um, I think it's it comes down to really technical, in some cases quite dull things, which people would probably roll their eyes at, but it's stuff like um, the way these records are produced and <coughs> the way that... Um, like it's kind of I don't find them structurally interesting or dynamic particularly I think if you compare it to say because we're talking about a band who are in the same you know you know who, who like you said are playing arenas now yeah. so we're talking about a band so other comparable Death metal tones, bands Death Tones exactly Meshuggah with Meshuggah don't headline Wembley no arena. no no but I, I would like for me and this is for me. Oh, right, oh, right. If, if I put a list of like bands together and I went Dillinger Escape Plan, Deftones, Meshuggah, Gojira, Architects, I've got absolutely no problem with doing that. I I've mean, got no problem with putting Architects in with those bands. Bar, I think Bar, Meshuggah, it doesn't, and maybe not so much Gojira, but in terms of like dynamics, I don't see the same dynamics in Architects as I do in, say, Deftones. I don't see the same dynamics in Architects as I do Tool. I don't see the same dynamics in Architects as I do, I don't know, even even Mastodon to an extent, you know. It, well, I they're guess... very different bands, and I think they come, from yeah. a very, they come from a very, very different scene. Yeah. But I think the thing that Architects do, they just do, they, they, they do those things in a smaller prism yeah. than Death. Like, there, there, there is no, but I there think... is no kind of boundary for Deftones at all I think I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to come to a conclusion of what it is that why I don't like it and actually I think you've kind of nailed it on the head for me they're doing it in a smaller prism Mm. they're doing their their area of focus is far smaller than a Deftones or at all yeah and I think I almost think no, that's as impressive, though. I, I didn't say it isn't as no, impressive. No, no, no. I'm I just didn't like, say for me, I'm and, saying and, that, and that, to, that impresses to, me just as and much. And to be super clear, I do think that architects... I can't think of a band who are doing what they are doing better than they are doing it in mm. the world right now, mm. and maybe ever, mm. in terms of what they do. It's mm-hmm. just... I'm, I, I want it to be... You know, I mean... It was funny you talking about the strings at the beginning of um, the opening song um, and, and, and going, you know, that you have the strings for like three or four seconds and then it goes off into another part and then it goes off to another part. There's no, I, I actually think that's a bad thing. I wanted it to settle more because it just kept, it did, it, I don't feel like, the melodic bits that are on this record, for example, it never really settles on any of them and, allows any of them to breathe or and i guess and i guess this is a taste thing Mm. but that's what i I would like and what i would want and if that's not what they want to do then it's not yeah i mean it's i would argue like meshuggah don't do that no but meshuggah's and like even and they do a bit actually but but dillinger didn't you know dillinger made a career out of you know (laughs) I don't think I don't cracking. think Architects would ever write a song like Widower. 
you know, oh, and, and I, th- I, I think, think... I think of your Memento Mori. Yeah, I think Memento Mori is the best thing Architects have ever done. Uh, by, I, mean, I agree. I don't think there's anything on this album that's as good as... I don't think no. there's anything in their career. I th- that is their, their I, th- their I think it, I, I don't think they've even tried to better it, no. to be honest. No, no, they haven't. I, you know, I, like, the th- I actually was like, when the album came towards the end, I was like, I wonder if there's going to be an attempt to sort of out memento mori memento mori mm, and like, mm, it goes to show to and they me, and they don't do that and yeah. i think that's a good thing yeah me definitely too. Yeah, yeah yeah i definitely like the last i i was i was wondering is the last song going to be a big epic mm. basically and it's not like mm. the, the the they're all sort of three four minutes bar yeah. the, the the minute and a bit yeah. song two minutes song. um i think using the dillinger comparison i think dillinger's scope is broader in terms of when they are quieter and that, that was rare to be yeah. fair but when they are quieter they are a lot quieter than architects ever get and when they are heavier dinger are a lot heavier and more frenetic than architects mm. have ever got yeah and, I mean, I, and because it's broader because that palette is broader i don't get bored mm. what i would whereas say whereas with every single architects record okay. i put on i do what i would say is they're doing that playing fucking Wembley Arena yeah yeah so yeah which is amazing like, I, I think to be like this is the first album with this lineup. And I think what they needed to do with this record is to make a lot of short, sharp bursts of however they were feeling at that time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think in that respect, this is as good as you ever could have imagined it could possibly yeah, be. Yeah. I, 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 I've, you know, I said right at the beginning of this, I think this is the, I think, yeah, this is the best band doing what they are yeah, doing. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, I, I'm trying to, you know, because I could just sit here and just go, yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, no, no, man. And, 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 but that's do. not what I feel. Yeah. And and there's no, I mean, I don't, I don't feel you're wrong either. But I want to sort of explain that this is a band that I do not get. Everyone else in the world, in this metal scene and in this metal world, it appears does, mm. but I don't get it and i'm trying to i'm trying to ascertain through this review and through listening to this record and through listening to all our gods and through listening to lost together lost forever for the last fucking 10 years i've been trying to ascertain why i don't get this band and this is what i have like Mm. i don't feel it's as dynamic and 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 i don't think anything i'm saying is and and correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think anything I'm saying is factually inaccurate, but I'm just kind of trying to come across with my view as to why I think I don't respond to this and it isn't my cup of tea. Yeah, fair. Okay, well... But I think they have, fo- like you say, I think they have followed up a record which is almost impossible to follow up in probably the best way they possibly can. Uh-huh. I don't think Architects fans are going to be disappointed by no, it at no, all. I can't. I think that no, Wembley no. Arena show is going to be an incredibly cathartic, amazing experience for Architects fans. Yeah. Um... And, you know, considering, considering that we're, you know, I'm, I'm putting my objective hat on and going, I don't know what else architects could have done to make this better, but can I sit here and hand on heart go, I really like this album? No, because okay. I don't. Fair enough, man. You, you've got to call it as you see it. So anyway, um, that's Holy Hell by Architects, one all. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Um, for what it's worth well done chaps yeah for, for, for actually for what it's worth well fucking done yeah, because really yeah and i mean that so fucking sincerely mm, mm. because 
no one. Uh, my God. Yeah. Fair play. They're not going anywhere. No, they're not. not Absolutely not. No. So anyway, let's move on. This came out last week. And we didn't get a chance to do it, but we'll do it now. The Prodigy, Notorious, the seventh album. We can do an architect and eight albums. Prodigy no. have only done seven in and, twenty-eight years. Yeah, and this is probably their last one. To be fair, uh, to be fair, to be fair. I don't know what. That, are you, are you saying there. it because you don't like it that much? Or no, no, saying? because there's a lot of chat about. There's a few things that there's. Is that? Yeah, the the album That's artwork it. suggests that it may. It's a bus going to. Um, eighth and eighth, which the is first end destination. They ever played, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and they sort of gone. Oh no, it doesn't mean that. But I've there's been rumours saying that this is oh. possibly their last album. So anyway, it's the eighth album by the Techno Terrors or the dance rock <laughs> crossovers legends, whatever you want to call them. Um, Renfrey, your relationship with the Prodigy in a in a short sentence. I like them live. Yes, a lot of people say that. Um, <laughs> well, you said short. I mean, I can't <laughs> yeah, get one no, if no, you no, want. That's, that's fine. Uh, I like so the fact on, of the land. On record, so. and you like the fact of the land. I like the fact of the land. It's uh, on record. It's the only one I listen to regularly. Um, <laughs> I thought Invaders Must Die was pretty good. And oh, I that's great. Quite liked. I quite liked the day is my enemy. I think it was the mm. last one. Is that what it's called? Oh, bitty, okay. bitty. Okay, day is my enemy. I, I mean, I think this is bitty as well. Very bitty. I think yeah. it starts really strong. I think Need Someone and Light Up the Sky, which is actually co-written by Ollie Burden, who used to be in Hounds, um, and he can write some fucking great electro rock bangers. I think they're legit bangers in very different ways, but quintessentially very Prodigy-esque ways. Because mm-hmm. at this point, the Prodigy only really sound like the Prodigy, right? Like there is yeah. sort of two different types of Prodigy. You've mm-hmm. got that slamming Keith Flint front end um, dance rock bangers and then you've got these kind of quite ravey very very dancey old school sounding mm-hmm. anthems uh, yeah and i think and they do that now i think there's more of the latter than the former yes this feels like a record which is going uh looking back to experience in music from Virgil to generation and stuff like Bit that. Of that yeah definitely uh, but then i think the days many had that as well like do you know what i mean i think when, when you yeah. listen to bits and bobs and that i mean I, uh, the days many had a couple of fucking great tracks on it and had a mm. lot of fucking shite on it as well um fight fire with fire with horror, horror. is mm. good and that's obviously you'd expect that to be kind of pretty aggro um i i yeah. i i'm not a big fan of horror on record no me neither um but but actually i was quite pleasantly surprised with fire fire with fire i think it's yeah. one of the better tracks on this record yeah, yeah definitely. i mean it's a prodigy album isn't it i mean i know we talked a lot about sick of it all last week but i felt like you didn't really know much about sick of it all so we had to kind of like yeah. chuck all that different context in whereas i feel like everybody knows the yeah, prodigy. yeah yeah I, I everybody knows to- kind of what the prodigy sounds like now and what I would say, Renfrey, as a band who was so revolutionary during the 90s, mm. this sounds fairly kind of... Dated as fuck? Dated is one way of putting it, although I don't really have a problem, as I said before, with something sounding dated if the songs are good. I think no. it sounds a little bit tired. Yes. I, I Well, I'm gonna, I, I don't like this record much at all. Okay. Um, I find it... It's thirty. It's just under 38 minutes. It's not long. It's, it, it's it got to be their shortest record. Really... I find it a slog and it's only 38 minutes. Mm. Um, I, and you know, that's not to say that there aren't any good ideas on it because there there are a few. Mm. I think the very last song's really good, actually. Um, Yeah, I I struggle to get that far into it. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, if you put on the last song, like, you know, on its own without the rest of the record, because that's the thing, you are quite fatigued by that point. Yeah. But I don't know, someone like Liam Howlett, I kind of expected. even 28 years into their career, I kind of expected Liam Howlett to be being a bit more, um, 
I don't know. Just not. I didn't expect him to be repeating himself. To be well, honest, it's been you know when you think of the prodigy's career, like they made the fact of the land, and it was this revolutionary thing, and mm. they'd been kind of slowly becoming bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and scarier for like you know since the kind of the nineteen eighty nine formation. Um, it took them a long, long, long time to get that record out. It took even longer to get Always Outnumbered, Never Outgunned out, yeah, which they threw years, away. Yeah, if you yeah, remember, because yeah. uh, if you remember, they released Baby's Got a Temper. That's right. As yeah. a single in yeah, about yeah. two thousand two thousand and one, yeah. and that ended up not being on the record. Yeah, basically, yeah, Liam yeah. was like, "I'm throwing this all away because I want it to sound new." And then the album come out, and it's not even that. Like Always Outnumbered, Always Outgunned has got some really good songs. It like Spitfire, mm. but. It's not a very good record. But that's the thing. When was the last time Prodigy released a really good record? Do you think? Invaders Must Die. Invaders yeah. Must Die is a fucking yeah, absolute I do like I think Invaders Must Die is the... I, I would have it over Fat of the Land, personally. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. I, I think Fat of the Land's great, but Music for Generation and Experience are my favourite two. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, so you're quite into the more yeah. ravey Prodigy. Yeah, yeah, I like that. You know, <clears throat> I really do. I think Fat of the Land has actually aged quite badly. I can't disagree with that. I think it's actually yeah. some of some of it has aged really badly. Yeah, you know you don't need the one with fucking Geezer and Cooler Shaker on. Anyway, no. it's not a review of the fucking fact that. But the, but then the thing is, is I think a lot of the songs on this sound like they could have been written in nineteen ninety seven. Yeah, yeah. But then I think it's quite cool for the Prodigy to be a band who are evocative of that era. I don't have yeah. a problem with that if yeah. the songs are really, really great. Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't think there are enough... I, I think, like I say, Need Someone Light the Sky is fucking... Light of the Sky is, is, is really, really yeah. good. I think Fight Fire with Fire was good. Champions of London, I don't mind. Um, uh, there's not a lot else. I mean, even when I look, I'm going to get the track listing up for the Day of My Enemy. Right I, now. I, I would swap Champions of London with the last track, but other than that... Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. So like, there's my enemy, nasty, wild frontier. Get your fight on. Wall of death, all right as well. And that's from the last record. And the last record is one hour long and it's 14 tracks long. And there's only really four good songs on that. So, you know, the Prodigy have got to the point where they're almost a bit like a Foo Fighters or an Oasis who just release a, like a couple of... At this point, when you're that big, you only need to release... Like, there's three, good, three four good songs on this record. Mm-hmm. They'll go in the live set. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. This yeah, is exactly. never going to be anyone's favorite. I looked at their album. live set from yesterday, and they're playing five songs from this record. Yeah, and then it's well, quite an eat. I mean, even that, I think, is a bit. Yeah, much, that's a bit too much. Um, and I, I take three and be fine. Um, yeah, I do three or four, but yeah, uh, like, and um, it's a fairly even spread through all their records, more or less. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I I, I expected more from the other thing though is like the prodigy release records like once every four or five years yeah and liam howlett was talking about in an interview with q or rolling stone or something like that saying that um uh this was originally going to be an ep it was going to be an ep of collaborations and Mm -hmm. it started with the horror song um and there was going to be a collaboration with lethal bizzle and all this kind of thing right and then he was sort of so inspired that it turned into an album because it had to be an album. And I'm like, I'm kind of a bit like, wish you'd kept it an EP because this could have been a fucking banging EP. Yeah. Um, but, you know, yeah, he felt inspired enough to turn this stuff into a whole full length record. I mean, I've seen some reviews, it's had a very mixed response. I've seen some reviews say that they've completely lost it and have no creative spark left at all i think that's a bit harsh yeah there's a little bit left. i think that's a bit harsh 
but I can't heartily recommend this album in no. any way, shape, or form. To be Never going to be anyone's favorite Prodigy album. No. But there you go. No. It's not the last Foo Fighters album going to be anyone's favorite Foo Fighters album. The last fucking no. Oasis album won't be anyone's favorite Oasis album. Yep. The last whatever big band you're yeah. insert who are fucking Slipknot album is not going to be anyone's favorite. That's Slipknot a, album. that's the thing. And you know, like I said, I listened to the Prodigy live. You said a lot of people said that, and yeah. I th- I think it does it matter at this point? No. Probably not. Not really. But anyway, it's called Notorious, and it's all right. I mean, if you like The Prodigy, um, yeah. you probably have a fairly decent time. I mean, I do, and I don't think I'm going to listen to it that much, apart from the four songs I know they're playing live. I won't listen to it ever again. No. Nah. Uh, anyway, the last album comes from Laura Jane Grace and the Devouring Mothers. It's called Bought to Rot. Um, I love Laura Jane Grace. She is one of this generation's greatest songwriters. Um, she's in Against Me. I don't know why. Why is this not an Against Me album? Any ideas? It's very different to Against Me. Yeah, but it's, it's, I think she just writes songs. That, uh, I think it could be an Against Me album. Do you? Yeah, I don't uh. think Against Me have... Do Against Me have that limited A thing where they don't... No, but I think it's very... How many Against Me albums sound exactly the same as each other? I, I feel like this... Uh, she said again in an interview to a magazine um, <coughs> that she was trying to create a mixtape. Mm-hmm. And I don't think... Um, Against Me albums have that kind of mixtape. I mean, no, I, actually, I, actually, I actually feel that this is a very... Oh, I don't want to say... I don't want to sound too harsh with this. Um, it's a little bit of a disjointed record in that it goes through lots of different styles. I, I mean, I think she has achieved the mixtape thing. Yeah. But I'm not sure if that makes it a good album in, a sense of, in, in the sense of flow. Uh, I'm not saying it's a bad, you know, I'm not saying I don't like it, but yeah. it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't flow very well. Does it? This record It's 14 songs. Yeah. It's 14 songs in 38 minutes and they are all very different, but she's I, a really great. I, th- I think some of the songs on here are great. Yeah. She's a, she's just a fucking great songwriter. Yeah. Like she's an amazing songwriter. Yeah. I think it's got a rattle. It's got a bit of a sort of Springsteen-y rattle. Mm-hmm. But it does sound different. It sounds more It sounds more aggressive and more loose and more raw than the last Against Me album, which I didn't think was that great, mm-hmm. to be perfectly honest. I think it's the first time I've got an Against Me album and I've gone, mm, I'm not really feeling that this, mm-hmm. this much. And, and then actually saying that, I've kind of gone back to it and there's there's some really brilliant songs like Crash and um, Forever, well, the first one, whatever it's called, the first one, that last Against Me album is really oh, good. Um, but anyway, it's, I'm not going to sing it. I've sung fucking everything. Uh, but <laughs> I think I think it's I think this is more diverse than a lot of yeah, against is. me yeah. records in terms of like there's you know I noted down a few genres. There's like heartland rock, rockabilly. There's a bit of country and western esque mm. type stuff on it. There's yeah. like indie. There's there's a, there's a lot of different things going on, um, and I think that's really admirable. And it's almost her cutting loose a little bit, which mm. is why I don't feel like. I, you know, it, totally, it could have been an Against Me record. Yeah, but, now you've but, said that, you're right though. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't I think, think right. I don't think, uh, I, I think this this is different enough to deem it being a separate project. Yeah. Let's put it like that. Provision L3! <laughs> Provision L3! That's the oh, one. the that's cheeky good. glint in his eye. That's good, he did that's that. good. That yeah. There's a song, that, 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 there's one song called Manic Depression, which I think is fucking amazing. Yeah. would fit on any Against Me album. Yep. So when this album hits, it is brilliant. There's a few absolute, like, 
proper bang on it. Like Reality Bites is a great one as well. Um, I Hate Chicago is really good. Manic Depression, I think, is the best song on the album by some quite considerable amount. This is interesting because I've picked some um, song highlights as well, and they're all different. Oh, so really? that's that's oh, a re- yeah, so like, which, good, which yeah. probably says a lot about the whole mixtape kind of thing. So yeah. my highlights were like the Airplane song, Screamy Dreamy, the Acid Test song. Um, I do quite like I Hate Chicago as well, yeah. um, but those were probably my highlights from the record yeah. personally. So that's quite interesting in yeah. terms of like because if you, if someone gave us the same mixtape we'd probably like different songs from potentially yeah so i mean I, my favorite is manic depression which um kind of I do is, like is, it, it's, it's quite an angry elvis costello yeah which <laughs> yeah. i really like yeah. yeah but that's you know that, that's the sort of thing she's going for like these kind of yeah. singer songwritery springsteen elvis costello um that kind of like you say heartland stuff yeah, where they're just kind of plug in, it rattles along and it's yeah it, it's a it's a you know is it gonna make me want to throw away my copy of new wave or um, transgender dysphoria blues and start listening to this definitely 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 not but no. she can write some fucking songs Laura Jane Grace and she is great she is a great human being yeah I think at the end of the day this is you know I think this is clearly a side project and I don't yeah. think there's a problem with that I think um, I, th- you know if, if Against Me were to uh, split up tomorrow and she was to say that this is going to be her main project, I think that would be... It would be little, sad, wouldn't it? I think it would be something to worry about. Yeah. But um, that's not happening, so it's irrelevant. Um, and I, th- I think this is a perfectly decent record. I, I don't think I'm going to return to it loads, but there are definitely re- songs on it that I really like. Mm. Um, and I like... If you really love Laura Jane Grace, it's an opportunity to hear her cutting loose and just being a bit more uh, tongue-in-cheek, I suppose. Definitely. All right. Well, there you go. It's called Bought to Rot. It's by Laura Jane Grace and the Devouring Mothers. And if you're a fan, I think you'll have a very good time listening to this. So anyway, we're going to chuck over. I went and spoke to Jeff Irwin from Wilhaven and Andy Gillen from Palm Reader, two bands that I think are brilliant, two bands that I think um, are definitive underrated bands from... Um, two very, very different eras of heavy music. So it was interesting to go, you know, what is the similarities between a Sacramento-based hardcore band who are really, really good friends of the Deftones who managed to get themselves onto the front cover of Kerrang! back in the 90s and a British hardcore band who have come through the ranks of a very very fertile hardcore scene that is only just starting to shoot through into the the, the mainstream um uh, in magazine forms when you think of the likes of uh the success of well all the bands that we go on about employed most of the time serve. you know employed to serve and um uh, is that it <laughs> just just employed to serve it's not just employed to serve is it uh employed well, to heck the and heck black peaks the, and all those yeah, guys yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so it was an interesting chat, conjurer. Yeah, between those two. <laughs> Sorry, I just feel like I feel like, like the entire British music industry just went us. <laughs> like obviously, I us. just, I just, I just, I just felt like I t- turned off a little bit there. But no, yeah, I was. I'm that's right. I don't know why I could only think of employed to serve. <laughs> like the, the shit arrogance of them to just get in my head and them alone you bastards but anyway i had a chat with jeff and i had a chat with andy about what that is like so here it is all right i'm on will haven's tour bus with jeff from will haven hello jeff how you doing i'm really good, good. and andy from palm reader as well hello steve how are you doing i'm good thanks mate um this is an interesting chat that we're going to have because for me what this chat is is bringing together two of my favorite kind of um underground secret heavy bands of two different generations and the old and the new 
the old and the yeah. uh, well, the <laughs> not, <laughs> not, not as old. The, yeah, old the not, not as old. The not quite as old, I think, <laughs> is the one. Um, I mean, the reason we wanted to put you two together is is kind of for that reason. I think there's a certain um, uh, generation of people that will kind of look at your band, particularly Jeff, as one of the. Um, is it fair to say one of the great lost bands in heavy music? I guess so. I guess we look at it differently. We just look at it as it. We just play music and did our thing, and you know, uh, I, I, for me, it's like I'm kind of living the dream. You know, it's like mm-hmm. I guess when you start as a band, you always think about headlining shows or like you know, or just opening up for bands. We've done that, and then headlining shows, and you know, now we got a bus and a crew. It's like we've kind of made it. You know, so it's yeah. like for the lost band, it's like we did pretty good for like not. Well, having any kind of like you know we weren't as from you know big as our friends like you know deftones mm. something stuff like that but as far as me personally i think me i made it so it's like mm. Mm. um but yeah I, I guess it's all opinion for fans and stuff like that i guess well it's just because you know it, it felt like you guys came from a time um where every band that came out of your scene or your area mm. got um at least a moment of significant profile when you think of like the kind of the school of the uh, the, the sort of the, the Californian scene in, in metal in the kind of the mid to late 90s yeah but to be fair so did we you know I mean mm. we were on the cover of Kerrang you were we, yeah yeah we toured with Deftones Slipknot Fear Factory like we had our moan in the sun too so it's not like you know we were some struggling band that never got any kind of exposure we got a lot of exposure so um as far as like not making it as I, I could see where people like where Norma Jean or something like that made it pretty big where they had a similar sound to ours I could yeah. see people saying like well you guys weren't as big as Norma Jean or something like that where you should have been I can maybe see somebody making that kind of opinion but as far as like getting the exposure we needed yeah. to platform ourselves we definitely got it we probably just didn't take the the next step to do it you know we're kind of a a band that did it for more of just a passion and a hobby more than trying to make a money thing mm-hmm. out of it. It wasn't ever our goal to like make money at this. It was just go out and have fun and play as a bunch of buddies. So for us, it's always been a hobby more so than yeah. trying to make it a business. And that's it's, probably our fault, you know, but, um, but we definitely got our exposure for sure. Oh well, yeah. I mean, I guess maybe, um, maybe I'm looking at it from a, obviously a very different perspective yeah, because exactly. I think, um, I mean, being kind of, how old was I? Eight, seventeen, eighteen when I first heard El Diablo. Yeah. And um and I think yeah, it was on the Around the Fur tour when you guys supported Deftones and I was and it felt like every band I liked at that point ended up going on the front cover of Kerrang, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like ended up with Brixton Academy yeah. and being this huge band, whether it was Korn or Deftones or yeah. you know, uh, whoever. And uh and I kind of was like, Oh, here's a band who are pushing that envelope sonically even further even heavier and i guess considering that you did that getting on the front cover of kerrang and getting on the tours that you're talking about um i always kind of looked to you as a much more extreme band than than those bands and when you consider someone like particularly in the late 90s converge or cave in or yeah. botch and those sort of bands probably had a far less exposure even than you um yeah maybe i've started with a pretty fucked up question <laughs> no, 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 no. no it's good it's, uh, i like to hear something because we don't i mean we're so sheltered like we don't i mean i think we think of ourselves as just a still a local band you know we're friends like deftones we see those guys you know i see abe every almost every day at home and i'm like seeing those guys go on huge tours and headlining stuff so for us it's like 
we're not that level. Mm. And so it's kind of humbling when I'm friends with those guys, seeing how big they are. I'm like, yeah, we're just, we're nobody's compared to those guys. So I guess it's a different perspective because we look at them as like the big band. We're just kind of the local band, whereas fans might think we're a big band as well in their eyes, but we're not. So it's kind mm. of a weird thing. I think it's good that we have friends like that that keeps us humble. Yeah. Because you know, we don't walk around like, oh, we're some big band. Or we're, like, we're nothing, you know, compared to our friends, you know. So it kind of keeps us in our place. But I don't know. I think we just came out in a, I mean, the 90s were such a r- awesome time for music, especially mm. heavy music. Mm. And I think we were just in that scene where we came up in the hardcore scene, mm. you know, straight edge hardcore scene, and then we were friends with Deftone. So we had, like, this two worlds of, like, I, I know they hate to say a new metal thing. Yeah. All our friends were new metal, but then all our influences were hardcore. So we kind of combined the two. And I think we had a unique sound where we could go out with bands like Deftones and stuff like that, but still cater to the hardcore crowd and... So the hardcore fans liked us, but then the fans like Deftones also liked us because we were like Deftones, but a little bit heavier mm. in their eyes. So I think it just worked, and that's how we kind of were able to catch a cool, like, cult vibe going on. So, Do you ever consider your impact on how much you might have paved the way for the popularity of hardcore as when you think of Glassjaw, um, what happened with the Dillinger Escape Plan, what went on to happen with bands like even thursday um when that kind of caught fire about five years when you think yeah i would say kind of jane doe came out at a similar time to um carpe diem mm-hmm. um you guys at that point had had Karan covers and you guys had been on tour like say with fear factory and whatever um i feel like you were quite a good palate cleanser for people who wanted to go because i know from my own perspective when i first time i saw you guys i was like oh my god what the fuck is this? You know, like listening to Cold Chamber and suddenly you hear, yeah, yeah. hear like Ego's game, you're like, this is a different thing altogether. Um, but it meant when I heard about, like when I heard about an album like Jane Doe, um, I had at least some sort of reference point for it. Yeah. Um, do you ever consider that as, you know, we, we kind of helped uh, with the, I guess the, the popularization of what went on to become, you know, like the hardcore boom of the, the mid noughties? Uh, yeah, but I, yeah, I mean, like I said, we were influenced by, like, when we first started, we were having like Snapcase, Earth Crisis, Bloodlet, of course, yeah, um, mm. Coalesce, bands like that were hugely influenced on us. Mm. Um, that's what we grew up on. But we also grew up in Sacramento, where we had our best friends were Far and Deftones, stuff like that. So <laughs> we had those influences as well. So I think it was the bridge between our love for hardcore, but also our love for somewhat kind of melody mm. in the mix. So I think it just made a good. Uh, cocktail of you know of music mm. but I think I think you know just playing with the Deftones was huge because people could relate I mean people love them but could relate to our music too because we I mean we do have a similar sound to them because that's where we grew up yeah um, so I think it was just a good mix of somebody who maybe wasn't into the hardcore scene but when saw us with Deftones it's like not no hardcore but still like a band like us because like I said we still sound like Deftones but we were heavier that's why I mean a lot of people say oh I loved you guys at that show because I'm a Deftones fan but you guys came out and were way heavier than them and mm. I liked it you know because their kids were in heavy music then so it's just a combination of all their influences that and then other bands you know had that similar thing where they liked the Deftones but they also wanted to be harder you know I mean you, you like a lot of bands like Norma Jean and stuff like that or bands came after us took our idea but then they have a singing over it which I think that's what bridged Will Haven and Deftones fans is like they have the hardcore sound but then they have like you know somebody who sings over it and it uh 
and they kind of made a mixture of the two genres. Yeah. Know, like uh, VOD was, well, I mean, VOD was doing when we were a band, but yeah, yeah. bands like that, stuff like that, were kind of bridging the the, you know, the style of Faith No More and Deftones with the hardcore sound or, yeah. you know, heavier sound, which, um, and we don't sing. So I think it was the, our <laughs> music with Chino's vocals was kind of the bridge that people were like, that's what I want to hear, you know? Yeah. And a lot of bands that came after us were doing that and they were becoming more successful because they had that melody to where people could latch onto that like heavy music you know there's quite an esoteric um almost dare i say it, like artsy avant-garde vibe to deftones and far mm-hmm. and willhaven yeah. which is not really what you consider or you d- definitely didn't consider that in hardcore yeah. i think in the 90s when you mentioned even when you mentioned a band like vod who were great at kind of splicing up different genres together like metal and hardcore and almost like emo music like it was still very um, it wasn't as uh, there's something about like when I try and read along to Grady's lyrics they seem to be kind of disconnected mm-hmm. yeah. streams of sort of consciousness yeah. which is not a very hardcore idea if you know what I mean yeah totally and I mean it's it's funny because if you think about those three bands the main ingredient to all those bands is heart there's mm. nothing fake about any of those three bands. Deftones, Far Nuts. Like, there's nothing fake about it. It's all real. It's all... And it was a combination of having a lot of heart, but talent as well, which the two made our sound. So when you, when people look at the difference between, you know, a band compared to Deftones or Far, or even us, it's like, okay, well, that band, like, is real. They're, they're all about heart. They're not in here for the money. I mean, Deftones, like, they're not... They're not that big. They're big, but not huge. You know, they never got to Limp Biscuit size. They never got to that mm. point in their lives, but they don't care. They're all about, they just want to go out and play music and with from the heart, do their own thing, you know, and they could have went the whole new metal route they did and they made White Pony. So it's like we've always, as a Sacramento scene, always had that thing where we kind of want to do our own thing and not look at what that outside's doing, but do what we have in here. Mm. I mean, we'll even had, op- had tons of opportunities to do different things. Like, you know, get a singer, do this, do that. Like, no that we're doing what we want to do and we've always done that you know mm. we've never compromised anything you know uh, when, when Carpe Diem blew up you know we could have made another Carpe Diem or whatever and yeah we decided to break up you know so it's <laughs> no, like, yeah, yeah. we like we just do our stuff our own way and all three bands have always done that and mm. I think people they respect that you know they get that and they like they like tangible real things you know and some mm. they can hold on to and and you know because there's a lot of bands out there just kind of plastic you know mm. to be honest with you and kids see right through that you know yeah or at least true hardcore fans or metal fans they see through that pretty easy yeah yeah you know, that's why everybody's going to slayer tonight because slayer's a real <laughs> a real band i mean you have, and then also ask any band out there like what's probably the most respected band it's like neurosis yeah because there's a f- real deal you mm. know like that when you epitomize metal and rock and hardcore with the imagery and stuff like that they're not fake they're the real deal so yeah. every musician asks like oh neurosis for sure is like by the top band for as far as like yeah they were another one being the real deal mention, yeah. yeah so it's yeah. like you know people people that are in love music they see they see that you know yeah. and I think that's why we're more of a musician's band than a fan's band because people see it's like oh those guys are up there pouring their hearts out into that thing you know they're not there just dancing around and you know trying to show off they're like actually feeling the music and put putting it out there and mm. like if, if we play tonight there's four people there we'll still rock as hard as tonight than we did if it was packed so yeah that's just course. who we are yeah. well speaking of um other musicians um having their thoughts about you andy when don't make this awkward <laughs> <laughs> oh mate I'm, I'm gonna have to mate so for you i, I know 
we've known each other for sort of from five years years, and we've sort of were from the same sort of similar scene weren't we really how big uh the southwest the southwest the salisbury hardcore scene um how big a like impact and inspiration is will haven as a band would you say without pretend jeff's not here well on me or just music and the whole I think on you and on well on Palm Reader on your the the attitude of like how you approach. I first got into you guys on WHVN, I think, um, but I think that may have been about a year before Carpe Diem came out, because where we grew up it was pre-internet, um, so we only got what came through our like local record stores and stuff. So if the guy yeah. bringing all the like uh, importing all the CDs or whatever didn't know about something, then we just didn't get to hear about it. Um, yeah, uh, 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 quite a lot more than I care to uh, care to admit. <laughs> um, um, stuff like that, copy DM uh, from front to back is just just slabs of just um, just just solid riffing. Um, mm. And you know, apart from the Jaws theme, I think you're the only guy who's managed to write uh, an insanely memorable riff with two notes. <laughs> One string. One string, two notes. Um, but yeah, that aside, um, I think just just like when it comes to like anything heavy, I know like our first record was pretty chaotic, and same with the second. But there's a lot of bits on Braille, which was kind of like I'm playing way too many notes. Um, like, how can you know, how can I simplify something that I'm playing and still make it sound good? And records like Carpe Diem are great for that because it's kind of like here's a fucking insanely huge riff. And it's not at all technical, but it just carries a huge amount of weight to it. And something that, um, of course, is like a internal winner and like a wave for what I'm playing, what Dan's playing. It's just solid 4-4 groove and just wicked. Yeah. Um, that combined with the sort of um, sort of like uh, flangery stuff, the sort of like sort of ethereal-esque textures that sort of float over the top of everything. It's something that's kind of always stuck with me. Um, yeah. That's all you're getting. That's all that's enough of that. That's enough of that. Yeah. But, mate, um, <laughs> we t- I try not to, like, like a fanboy on the last tour, but cause we've got to know each other a little bit better this tour. It's, it's a lot more controlled. But it's, it's, cool. I mean, <laughs> it, it's, it's cool to hear that stuff, though, because, like, you know, outside of the band, like, we don't... Like, when I, come, when I go home, I even forget I'm in a band. Yeah, you know, like I'm doing. I play golf. You know, I ride dirt bikes. Like, I work. So it's like, when I'm out of this scene, I don't even think about it. So it's like, when I'm in it, it's cool to hear like people appreciate what we do. Because at home, no one cares. You know, mm-hmm. my mom. I mean, I hang out with my band members most of the time, or some of the Deftones guys. So we we talk about music, and so we don't even we don't run into fans and stuff like that. We just kind of in our own circle. So when we like do a tour, it's it feels good to be appreciated because like I said we never made money at this you know we never had any fame so I think respect is like means more to us than like anything else we could mm-hmm. ever accomplish in music so when I hear somebody like Andy who's in an, an amazing band as well who's inspired by what we did is like it means it means, really, it means a lot to us you know like we love mm-hmm. hearing about that stuff because we fly home tomorrow and I'll be home Monday morning and I'll forget like I'm even played in a band you know so yeah. this is my opportunity to kind of let it sink in and let and show people that show us like the love and show us that we've changed their lives or like you know helped them create music whatever it feels really good to us so i appreciate mm-hmm. everything you said for sure is it i mean what jeff was saying about not really thinking like yeah we got our shot 
I mean, I feel like Will Haven got for what for the sort of the extremity of a band you are, and for the time, you know, I, I maybe it was maybe I had too high expectations about what a band that sound like Will Haven could actually achieve, like commercially speaking. But then I think I was taken by surprise at how well Corn and Deftones did, which to me felt really really heavy. But now I. If I'd have heard you, I probably would have gone, wow, this band are getting these tours and that's incredible. It is a bit different with, as we kind of fast forward 15, however many years later, where it feels like that type of music has been accepted on many other levels. And there are lots of bands in your kind of camp, Andy, who have done pretty decent business out of this hardcore lark. (laughs) And yet... Um, you guys seem to not have been given quite as much. How well? Yeah, I mean, how frustrating is that? We've had this conversation a whole bunch we, of times, but we started too late to kind of like take uh, full advantage of like the height of uh, <coughs> hardcore's popularity. Mm. Um, I think if we were about five years earlier, it'd be maybe a different thing altogether. So when we were cutting our teeth like doing our first tours and stuff it was more a kind of uh god copy and paste like fucking double xl burgundy shirts with chino shorts and like snapbacks and stuff mm. and we didn't fit into like this whole sort of like metalcore bits um all the sort of like big stompy hardcore stuff um we would just kind of just sat on the outside and like well we like dillinger but we also like writing some like bits of melody and stuff and we listened to botch too much um which should have been the biggest band in the world but you know yeah that's another story um in it so we kind of uh, we, we sort of appeared like as the, the the wave had already broken was sort of starting to come down um and like it's evident in the, the fact that a lot of like almost all of our contemporaries that we came up with have all but disappeared mm. because you know they're just not popular and not that we are at all but we kind of just went well we're just going to do our own thing like Jeff said like just do your own thing and not go right okay well Hulk was really you know really popular at the minute and now like this kind of like 90s rehash hardcore is going on and on and on um, and everyone's sort of copping onto that but it's it's not interested in being popular we just kind of just want to play what we like playing and just write what we want to write if we do another album and there's no screaming in it then so be it mm. if it's all screaming then whatever it's just yeah um, I wouldn't say it's frustrating to kind of we've done some we've done some really cool stuff mm. um, I mean I'd love to go oh it'd be really cool to do like two months around the States or like I would have loved to have done Warped Tour but we were never in like either the right position or had the right amount of um, people into our music which is you know fair enough I'm not going to bellyache about it. I would love to do stuff like that, but it's, you know, luck of the draw. Mm. Um, we get to tour with sick bands that we're really into and, like, bands like Will Haven that I've, you know, kind of made quite a big influence on my guitar playing and that, so I'm perfectly happy. Mm. I just get a little bit more money to pay the rent, but apart from that... Mm. <laughs> um, Jeff, like, how much do you think you've seen the... The, uh, the music industry changed. I mean, obviously it has changed massively, yeah. but for kind of, for a sort of underground band's perspective, an underground band who had, I guess, a little glimpse at what was possible during, I suppose, the kind of 
the last days of the, of the Roman Empire in a lot of ways in the, in the yeah, music kind of, industry. I mean, kind of like similar to Andy, like when we, I mean, <laughs> I mean, seriously, we owe pretty much everything to Deftones. Like if we didn't, I mean, it's hard to say. It, I think well, we, we signed Revelation Records um, right away. So we had an EP out and they signed us like right mm-hmm. off the bat. So we were already kind of involved in the hardcore scene right away, just being a Revelation because Revelation and Victory Records were the big labels back then. So I don't know. I mean, we probably would have been an underground. We would have been lumped in with those, you know, um, I don't know, biggest snapcase, maybe Strive, stuff like that. We would have kind of been in that scene, but never probably would have broken through, I don't think. Mm. Um, we owe pretty much everything to Deftones. I mean, I grew up with those guys my whole life. And then so it was kind of just one of those things where they put around the fur and Chino's like, hey, you want to go on tour with us? Just because we were buddies. They want to take their buddies. Like, yeah, let's do this. So and then that just kind of opened the doors for every opportunity we had after that but um but when we started kind of really getting our teeth into the hardcore scene that's when um labels started picking up bands like earth crisis yeah and um bands like that dillinger and stuff like that was getting some pretty big interest back then so it was like oh maybe there's a chance for us to maybe get on a major label because that was kind of the thing back then um and we talked to a few people it just never panned out for us you know um but as soon as it happened, it, it went away that fast, you know. Um, or I remember Earth Crisis got signed to Roadrunner. They put one record out and they were gone, you know. And it was yeah. like, it was weird. Uh, but I think that's kind of was start of, you know, music was at such a high point when Ozfest was back around like '99 stuff like that. I mean, music mm-hmm. metal was like the king, you know. Mm-hmm. And then as fast as it happened, it just went away that fast too. So. Um, but none of the, I mean, all the bands we were into, they all pretty much stayed low key. Like I wasn't a really into big uh, Bloodlet fan and yeah. Dead Guy stuff like that, and those bands never really broke through when they should have. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, yeah, it was it was it was an awesome scene, um, and it got a lot of exposure. I mean, it was it was getting up there for a little bit, and then it just kind of died down. And then none of those bands were around. I mean, we were probably like now that Dillinger's gone, we're one of the last Mohicans still around, you know, still, yeah, like, right. still yeah. doing it. I mean, you'll see a couple of them do reunion shows, but no one's like really torn anymore and stuff like yeah. that. And it just, it's a whole different world, you know, but as far as Andy's being frustrated, I mean, like I said, it's all about who you know in this business, you know, it's, it was back then anyway. Mm. Um, and just because I grew up with the Deftones guys, we got, we got lucky and got, you know, we kind of rode their jet stream for a little while, you know, mm. and they looked after us. I mean, they took care of us in so many different ways, not just touring, but like hooking up with their buddies. I mean, I got the Fear Factory tour because of Stefan. Yeah. You know, Stefan called up Kirsch and said, hey, take my boys out. So it's like, it's really all who you, all who you knew back then, you know, and it, and it still is. It's still a very small family. Like, I'm still friends like the Limbus guys and stuff, and I haven't talked to them in years, but if I saw them, like, like we saw each other yesterday, you know, it was, it was just a small, really small circle of friends that we just happened to be a part of, and that's how we got in that in the door, you know. How would but, you How would you feel about if you were a new band starting up today dude i wouldn't do it really no no i mean there's many times where you know i think we're we'll have just about done Mm. you know and i'm thinking music's in my blood so i'm like i want to do something i mean we'll even breaks up i want to still play music and i'm thinking like i probably will make music in my room and just put on the internet you know and there's no way i'm going to start another band there's no way i'm going to like I could try, but it would be a lot of work, mm. you know, and I do have friends in the industry that maybe would help out. But I mean, I, if, if I didn't know anybody, oof, like seeing what bands go through now, like pff, no way. Mm. I mean, it would be, it would be, it's so hard to get exposure. 
I mean, you can get on the internet stuff, but like, there just isn't the same. And kids aren't in the music they were back then. Like when we were in, when I was in the music, that was the only thing there was was music. Yeah, we didn't have computers. We didn't have our outlet was live shows and like going to look for bands. You know, mm-hmm. brand new bands at the record store. That was our lives. And now kids don't do that. You know, so it's just it's a whole different world. You know, it. it sad <laughs> it's so different because yeah. i mean now like presumably what do you you obviously andy you have a job yeah and it's not been in palm reader it's not been in palm reader <laughs> and most i think um josh posh your bass player was in a thing was in some there was some feature of him being oh, in Nando's, yeah. right working in a like chicken restaurant some um <laughs> some uh, online zine i can't remember what it was i'll probably get killed for not remembering but um they did have musicians in their day jobs and one of them was um, one of them was posh. Um, <laughs> said, "Yeah, I work in a chicken. You know, I just work in a chicken, Portuguese chicken style restaurant. Um, yeah, I couldn't do this. We, you know, we come home at the end of the tour with a bit of cash, and we go, right, what do we need? Oh, that's all gone. Yeah. So, um, you know, we've we've made enough money on this tour to go back, and I think we're going to put new carpet in our lockup <laughs> and build some racking, mm. and then." they'll pay the rent on the lockup and then that's that's about it that's that's the, that's the funny thing too is people like especially in our heyday when we were touring with Devstones like they, everybody thought this is their job we've had I've had a day job ever since I've been in Willhaven well ever. this is the weird thing is that yeah. I was going to say that article that Andy's talking about yeah. I thought was such a bizarre article to go did you know that yeah. British hardcore bands have to work day jobs and it was like of course they do in 2016, well, 2017. I mean, yeah, we've been around since 90, sorry, 95. I've worked a day job every day yeah. since I've been in this band. But I remember so. your, actually, it was it was the Kerrang feature, I think, where, on in, I think it was when Will Haven on the cover of Kerrang. Oh, we went around there were different and jobs. Went yeah. ra- and I was like, <laughs> what? Yeah. Like, what? You're, but you're in Wilhaven. Yeah, like, no, why yeah, is Grady yeah. selling pizza? Yeah, like, totally he, kids thinking, like, you guys are so rich. And, like, dude, I've worked this day job every day since I've been in Wilhaven. Like, mm. I'll go home Monday and go back to my job. It's yeah. like, so it's, I mean, this type of music we play, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, any band, it's really hard to, like, make money at this, you know, unless you're at that next level. But, every, I mean, that's what people understand. Like, we do this because we love to play music. You know, mm. Andy's not here because he's making tons of money. Like, he's doing it because he loves playing music and that's why we're here that's why we come back so it's funny how people have that thing it's like oh you know you guys yeah. must be rich and i was like hell no I'm, I'm actually losing money being here right now but fuck I, i'm having a blast you know yeah, yeah. i mean you only live once right yeah mm-hmm. i mean that's the thing i think like back in the day i was surprised to hear that will haven had jobs whereas now you'd be stunned to hear if a band could make money out of their oh yeah their day like job. creeper sold out coco i believe they the did, other yeah. night um yeah. And I know Hannah still works somewhere. I think she works in a clothing shop, something, maybe a restaurant. Mm. But she still works. Mm. And it's like, you know, if you're selling out Coco, which is, you know, a fuck ton of people. About one and a half thousand people. One and a half thousand people, and you're still working because, you know, this doesn't pay. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it sucks. Because people don't buy records anymore. Buy records. Yeah, <laughs> do buy records. Definitely buy records. Um, uh, so realistically well for both actually jeff realistically how long the thing about being in a band especially being in a band like you guys are in a band i know you had a kind of a gap where Wilhaven wasn't really a thing um it feels like you're sort of back full-time as a band now um we're well, not full-time obviously i knew i know you gotta to go to work but um <laughs> but i know like you're about as a, as a concern as a band how taxing because obviously you mentioned dillinger who have kind of called it a day how taxing is 
touring this type of music how physically taxing is it to carry on playing this type of music because i i actually saw last time i saw you guys was at um the underworld at a camden rocks party about 2015 oh, yeah, i think it was yeah, where and thing. i thought i dislocated my neck <laughs> uh, at the end of it and i watched you and i thought oh, i'm not sure how i if i could do that every night anymore um, certainly at my age so how physically taxing is it to be in Wilhaven now i don't it's weird because on this tour i haven't gotten sick i haven't had one ache my back got hurt a little bit in, in amsterdam on the stage but other than that i felt good so it's like I don't know. I'm gotten older. It's maybe I'm just getting used to it. But I, I, I feel better now than I ever have. Like some back in the day, I'd go after shows. I wouldn't be able to walk, you know. Mm. So I don't know. I, I, for me, it's it's. I mean, for a band, we stay in pretty good shape though. Like, I swim pretty much every day. Grady and Adrian work out every day. Mm. Yep, back at home. Um, so it's like we we stay in shape. We're not you know we're not old, quite old yet. You know we can still be limber and move around. So. Um, it's more taxing just putting this stuff together you know like that's yeah. like getting the tour together is like more taxing than being on stage it's like you know setting the talking to promoters and the agents and getting all this transportation and the equipment it's like that's the taxing part then she's like I don't, I don't want to do this anymore you know it's mm. like this is pain in the ass to get this thing train rolling and you know you're going to lose money and all this stuff but once it's going and you're like in it it's like oh, then you start to appreciate it you're like oh this is cool because you know, especially in a band, you don't know how long you're going to be around for. I mean, it mm. takes one of these guys to say I'm out, you know, and it's all <laughs> over. So it's like you just got to appreciate doing it. And I think now that we're older, I, for me anyway, I, I appreciate it. I just remember being for how many tours, being in a van like Palm Reader and seeing the headliner going, I want to be in a bus. Like, that sucks. I want to be in a bus so bad. And so now that we have one, I'm like, oh, you know, it's like <laughs> I call my bunker every night and I'm just like, this is a dream come true. You know, yeah, like, yeah. we've paid our dues. You know, now we're finally at that part where our pay our dues have kind of paid off to where now we can enjoy ourselves a little bit so now that we're able to reach this point we're just like taking it all in and just appreciating it and just having a blast so like the last two tours we've had, we had done have been so much fun so i think it's interesting being um a, a certain age and playing this type of music because obviously in the 90s you looked at like most bands sort of split up most bands back in those days had a kind of what a 10-year career probably you think mm -hmm. the beat how long were the beatles together six years seven years something like that and then led zeppelin split up after 10 years or whatever and most bands sort of split up and if you were if you were aerosmith in the 90s you were really you'd only you've been together for 20 years <laughs> yeah. and people were like they're so old look at them they're in their 40s whereas and you've now come to a point where i mean like we mentioned slayer slayer and obituary and anthrax playing tonight like those are guys who are in their 50s, 50s. Yeah. and they're kind of that's a much more physically like no we're seeing people of that age play this type of music for the first time getting like this deep into their career and when you see a show as kind of as um physically demanding it is physically if you keep yourself in shape you can go for yeah. a while but it's funny i don't know if you guys notice that you get older you become better at things you know like for me being uh, my age now i feel that for me like this, this is like this is the best will haven's ever sounded really yeah i think we've i mean i i look back and back in the uh, even the deftones are like god we were so sloppy you know we were powerful but we were kind of sloppy you know and we had a lot of energy but we didn't we weren't as in tune as we are now i think we're like we got the best of both worlds like we're definitely better musicians we're definitely more on point but we still have the energy too so i think f for me personally this is the best we've ever sounded 
So, but I think it just comes getting older, you know, it's like you, you're able to do both now instead of just go crazy and, mm. and not think about playing your guitar. Now I can like go crazy, but I can still be in tune with my guitar. You know, mm. it's like you just have this sense of calmness about you and you're not, you're just in the moment, you know, it's where you're young, you're just scatterbrained. You're like, ah, you know, but now I feel comfortable and I feel that, um, we're definitely all on the same page now and it just, it feels good. It feels like we're a, a band, you know, we're out there to just yeah. kick butt again. Like we used to back in the yeah, yeah. back of the day, but I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm like, look at, I'm like, God, we're, they're mid forties and we're playing this heavy like hardcore music. It does seem weird, but yeah, but sick of it all. Is still going. That's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, oh, still fucking yeah. there. Still great. Awesome, man. Yeah. Well. At the same time, like I, we do take care of ourselves. You know, mm. we don't. You know, we're not. We're not hurting ourselves being up there. We're, we, we work out all the time, so it's, mm. it's, yeah, we're still okay. Um, it's less of a physical thing for you, though, Andy. Although we are brothers in extreme back pain. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. Um, yeah, we've me and Andy have exchanged a lot of texts about fucked up herniated discs and um, stretches. All the fun things about getting old. Yeah, like the fun. Yeah, so, um, but mate, for you really, I, I would think for Palm Reader, it is just you've got to look at this and go. It is possible. I mean, do you still do you believe that that ten years down the line, if you carry on doing it? you will get to the point where this sort of thing is possible or has it become a complete like well no if the um if uh, if the if the stars align and we carry on you know crank out music that people like then yeah absolutely um if we start writing really shit albums then absolutely not but mm. um uh with a with a bit of luck our uh, you know self critique won't let us write crap we should be good you're pretty harsh on yourselves I hate everything I write, <laughs> but then I learn to love it. Um, yeah, um, it's it's, it's uh, yeah, I, uh, my own worst enemy when it comes to writing music because I write a load of stuff and go, this is all gold, and then start picking through it and go, nah. Mm. I'll be writing thirty odd tunes for Braille, and they all half them, they all got chopped at some point because they weren't up to scratch. But that's what you got to do. But you want something that doesn't sound like any like this is what the something that I think I feel like I've noticed about you is that you want something which doesn't sound like anything has ever sounded ever. Yeah, that would be great. <laughs> <laughs> but that's really fun. I mean, that's. But then, like that, that's that, hard. That man. could be just like something you stumble upon, <coughs> or you put a huge amount of work into because you know, fuck. If you take like White Pony, the difference between that and um, Around the Fur is fucking staggering and you'd have a much you know you would have an insider's like, perspective on how that kind of like came to be but you know um, it may have been someone waking up and being like I've got a really fucking good idea or someone going I've got this whole collection of riffs that I've kept secret yes. and it may or maybe like an amalgamation of, of everything but something happened there I think it's well, especially I know for that record especially in bands like us it's like it's just something that happens mm. you know it's magic that happens like for that record i remember chino coming over to my house and he's like dude abe builds did this cool techno you know the digital bath he's like i just start playing guitar over it you know but abe just kicked out the the, the drum beat and mm. it's so that whole record it was just organically came together like that and that that just happens you know like they didn't have any riffs laying around it just and they wrote that whole record in the studio so it just it was just one of those magical things. It just happens, and bands stumbled upon it. Like when we did El Diablo, like I put it out. I was like, oh, "This is cool," you know. Mm. Like I thought it was like, 
you know, like different, but you know, nothing extraordinary. And, and then I showed to Chino and he freaked out. And he's like, dude, this is like the U2 of metal. This is crazy. And then, and, 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 and I was like, really, really? And he's like, yeah, dude, this is awesome. And then I was like, okay, cool. And he's saying that cause he's my buddy, you know? And then, but it, it did, it, ca- it caught on, you know, like it, people think that was a classic record. And I'm like, yeah. for me, it just, it's kind of noisy. And it's like, I, I wish I would have done more, you know, like I, I, I felt like we were just kind of just putting out a demo basically. And so just, you just never know what's going to happen, but it's just magically, it just happens, you know so what I'm saying? So you don't agonize over... I do now. You do now? Yeah. I mean, back in the day, I was just happy to put out music. And now, uh-huh. especially with our last record, Morte, like, I was like, we got to come out strong. Like, yeah, we yeah. got to come out. Like, if we put another shit record, we're done. Mm. You know? Like, people aren't going to care about us anymore. So we got to come out and make a little bit of noise you know yeah. and so i pushed hard to like try to make a really good record and i spent hours and hours and hours taking those riffs home and working on them every weekend and every night and then just to where the point was like I, i'm i'm done i can't give any more to it you know mm-hmm. and for me personally i love that record you know it's one, yeah, of, it's it's one of my favorite records we've done yeah, so but it's just it's just happened you know and, and i look back on those songs like i don't remember even writing that riff you know and but I'm the same as Andy. Like, I'll write a riff. I'm like, fuck, that, it sucks, you know? And then, I'll, like I did with Morte, I must have rewrote probably all those songs at least ten times. You know, like, I write a whole song, go listen to it, like, that sucks. Mm. And go back and rip it all apart, keep some parts, get rid of some stuff, and just, you know, work on it over and over and over again. So it wasn't so organic. It was That was more forced. But I think the more... I mean, and then I put out Morte, but people still go back to El Diablo as their favorite record. So it's like, there's something organic that happens when you're not even trying mm. that creates magic it seems like to me that's all the classic records have just been that way you know? yeah I mean I was going to say it seems crazy to me and it, well, it probably will seem crazy to you as well Andy that you wouldn't press play and hear Stick Up Kid and go fucking hell what have we done do you know what I mean like wow I, I think we were just happy because that was like the first time we recorded something where it sounded good because yeah. we'd always record on a four track or something like that and so when we got, we actually got two inch, you know, tape and we heard it back. I'm like, dude, that sounds really good. It sounds like an album, you know? So yeah. if we were just more impressed of how it sounded more than the songs. And then, uh, even our producer, Eric, he was like, he was uh, it's like, yeah, this is pretty good, you know? Like, and he doesn't really say much often. So I was like, oh, maybe it's all right. You know? And then I started showing my friends and they're like, oh, it's awesome. You know? I mean, when, when Chino and Stefan were like stoked on it, I was like, oh, okay, maybe we do have something here. If those guys like it, you know, maybe we have something here. And then. Of course, you know, it got crank picked it up and gave it five Ks and stuff like mm. that. I'm like, whoa, we didn't expect that, you know, at all. It just kind of was one of those things. And now people still re- say it's a classic record. And, like, to me, it was just, we just organically just wrote those in a practice spot as a band, you know, mm. and then recorded it. So no intentions of anything but just putting out a record. What know? about when you kind of put, like, WHVN and Carpe Diem? Um, to me, the kind of the first, well, the first five, really, but certainly the first... The, the kind of the first four Wilhaven releases, the kind of the, the self-titled EP, um, El Diablo, WHVN, Carpe Diem, sonically all sound really, really different. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Like, and it feels like it's hugely pointedly different in each one. Yeah. Was that something you did? Cause, I mean, I I used to be in a band probably when Andy probably watched my band back then. We used to cover Choke, oh, and yeah. we were like, because we was just that was like the one of the more punky ones so we used to like like when you just had two like releases we were like let's do that and we did rut a few times as well but we never tried to copy we never tried to cover anything off of el diablo because it always felt a little bit too metal 
where <laughs> we were more of sort of a hardcore band and we were like ah that's more of the kind of that first one's more of a sort of straight up hardcore yeah and then there was a metal sort of influence but then whvn i thought felt production wise like there was lots more um it kind of it it would go up and down a lot more and then Carpe Diem was just such a down-tuned slap like a concrete block in the, sort of in the face and I would, always wondered like how conscious a decision that was to go each record has to sound very different sonically it, it, it was because um, I've never been a fan of a band that puts out the same records all the time like mm. I think there needs to be some kind of diversity for to keep people's interests and just push the boundaries a little bit and for me like I I love metal, but I also love like Pink Floyd and stuff like that. So I always try to incorporate you know Radiohead and stuff like that into our music. You like the Cardigans, don't you? Is that right? I, yeah, I love everything. I kill right. any Kravitz. I like so I always wanted to incorporate <laughs> that stuff into into metal. Mm. So I've always tried to combine the two. But the unique thing about Willowhaven is that when we started Willowhaven, none of us played the instruments we do now. All right. So I I started playing guitar when I started this band. I played drums my whole life. And our bass player, original bass player, never played bass in his life. I told him to pick up a bass, start playing bass. Grady sang in our, our like kind of hardcore band called Sock, mm. but we never we played maybe three shows, you know. And then our drummer never played drums; he played bass. So when we started with Haven, we that was the first time we've all learned how to play our instruments. Wow! So El Diablo, we were still learning how to play our instruments, and so I think that's the natural progression of like starting to like learn your instrument you're like okay let's try this let's try this like i'm getting better at this let's try this so it was just one of those things where it's like we just we were learning as we were recording records mm-hmm. and i think that's add to a lot of diversity too is like oh we've done this let's try to like do some single string stuff now or let's detune like we've never done that before you know so i think that helped develop our sound is like not knowing what the hell we were doing we were just mm-hmm. making noise instead of like going in there with some kind of like teachings or schooling or something like that or me like learning how to knowing how to play the harp for 20 years we started a band like no i my first note I ever played was in Wilhaven on a guitar so i think that was hugely a big part of coming up with a unique sound because i didn't have any really influences on guitar i just picked it up and started making noise you know yeah. so uh and it's still that way today i still know how to play guitar you know i just make noise i don't know notes i don't know shit like <laughs> Andy I was asking me today how to play a song I'm like uh, I had to count the fucking frets I'm like yes uh, five and seven I think it's like I don't know how to play guitar mm. I just make noise right so I think that's what added to all the diversity and the and all the different things but I try to use my influences and have, have it come out of my hands mm. more than anything so okay yeah. and Andy palm reader braille yes. in particular is a very very different record from your previous two records which I think were fairly disparate from each other anyway in terms of again um as an influence will haven um as an influence on i know braille isn't is definitely a much more melodic record and i I think Mm. it's probably if you were to draw a line between your influence in those your two bands but just the idea of going we're not going to do that again um that's something that you cling pretty tightly to isn't it yeah i mean there's always stuff that leeches through like I just went, oh, we don't want, um, I don't know, any fast, spazzy bits in. There's like, there's a couple of sniffs of it across the record, but it'll, mate, I've, I don't know, I wouldn't ever say no to anything, but um, for whatever we do next, it's going to be that, and then a bit further down the road. Mm. So things from like, I don't know, first, second album may come back, maybe, but it won't be a kind of like, here's Braille again, because everyone will be like, oh, but the melodies were so much better on Braille. And I don't know if I like them anymore. <laughs> um, I just don't know. I, I try and keep like 
pushing onwards and then try and like uh, guitar-wise, I try and learn something a guitar in a different style because it will sort of work its way into what I'm doing. I will like I'll go. That's really cool. Oh, we can do that, um, and it kind of makes me look at writing riffs in a slightly different way. Whereas like the first album was all kind of. I need to fit as many notes into one chord as possible and make it sound as horrible as possible mm. and play it as fast as possible. And the second one was like, yes, do that, but make it sound more doomy. And then this one was kind of like, I don't want to do that anymore. Ish. <laughs> um, just try and, write, um, try and write, be a bit cleaner about writing things. But next time, it might be different. I don't know. Right. I haven't really. I've got like two riffs for the next thing we do. <laughs> Wow, this is as many as a Sun O album. A yeah, Sun album. Yeah. I might ADA. get Scott Walker on board as well. <laughs> um, well, anyway, uh, I think we've got to leave it there because you've got to play soon. Yeah. Got to do a rock show. Yeah. You've got to play as well, Jeff, but a little bit later on. Actually, Jeff's fucking off to go and watch Slayer. So, um, <laughs> yeah, right, fair. Um, but yeah, cheers for chatting, guys. Uh, last question. Ten years from now, do we get a Wilhaven Palm Reader co headliner and are we going to be getting it at Brixton Academy? Because in an ideal world, in an ideal world, in a perfect world, that is what we'd get. There's loads of other bands that should headline above us, like Snapcase, to be like, oh, it's fucking, yeah, sploosh. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, we'll headline. You can open. Yeah. How's, how, <laughs> how big's your house? My house is significantly smaller okay, than Brixton Academy. Okay, we'll do a Palm Reader Wilhaven show at your house in 10 years. Oh, yeah. In your living room. I like room. that. <laughs> All right, nice deal. Um, we've got that on the audio. That's legally binding, there right? There you go, yeah. Yeah, that's legally binding. All right, well, <laughs> that seems like the perfect place to end it. Cheers for chatting, chaps. Yeah, it's been you. lovely Cheers, stuff. Cheers. All right, there you go. Interesting, interesting things. Uh, that gig was fucking awesome, just to reiterate how awesome it was. If you haven't heard Wilhaven, if you haven't heard El Diablo, if you haven't heard Braille, I mean, we'll talk about Palm Reader again soon. Um, we will. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, two bands. Is who, El Diablo your favourite? Ah, uh, yeah, I think it is. Yeah. I like Carp DM, but yeah, fine. Carp DM! Okay, back to the impressions. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. We'll be back next week. Thanks very much for listening. We'll be back next week. Um, we'll be talking about um, new albums from Tom York. Are we doing that? Well, I think we should. All right, but God. All right, fine. I think we'll do you, that. You know, might as well, isn't it? Tom York, it's a big uh, deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do that. Can't swim. Yes. Um, the ocean. Yeah. Let's do that. And and Renfri. Muse. Yes. Muse of this That's stupid gonna be fun. idiot albums out. And um, I'm probably going to feel as passionately about that as you do about the Architects album. Obviously. Right. Good. Yeah. Good. <laughs> and uh, we'll we'll have someone in conversation with you. I think. Yeah. Yeah. But we're not hundred. No. No. Sure. We don't know. Yeah. There's two. Actually, you're doing two this week. Aren't I'm doing you? two this week. Hopefully. You're doing two yeah, this yeah. week. Hopefully. And yeah. if you get one of them, it will be very very good. That'd if you great. get both of them, it will be fucking. One's outstanding. one's one is definitely happening. I'm yeah. just not sure. And that would be great. Yes. If you add in the other yes. one. Yes. Oh, Yes. Happy days. Anyway, enough about counting. <laughs> <laughs> it's not counting crows. No, it isn't counting crows. Um, That'd be fun though. Why are you balding? And uh, why do you wear what a wig? What a rude all the time? fucking question. Oh, sorry, mate. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, well, no, <laughs> not just to me. <laughs> no, to no, no, anyone. no, no. But he constantly wears a wig, and he, uh, you don't. Why try are to, you balding? No, no, you don't try. He doesn't. He tries to. Yeah, but still, you but shouldn't say he that. Hides he's obviously it got a with problem. The silly wig. Yeah, but he's obviously silly. very, very self-conscious oh, sorry, about Steve. it. All right, fine. Poor old Adam. Uh, Is that the most Herwick? offensive thing I've said on this podcast? <laughs>
Mm, not <laughs> no, by a long not shot. By a long way. Uh, all right. Anyway, we're out. We'll see you next week. Cheery bye. Bye.